hear that? You hear that shit? That's the rain. That's how hard it's raining here. All these pussies telling you don't, don't, don't mow your lawn. Don't, don't water the lawn. Don't fill the pool. We're running out of water. We're running out of water here in California. Not anymore, motherfucker. It's, they're, they're evacuating people, Jamie. What did, what did it say on your phone? Evacuate. Sacramento's fucked. The, the dam is blowing, Frank Castillo. The dam. Uh, I usually don't introduce guests, but this gentleman across me here is, uh, I'm really proud of you. Uh, thank you. You, Frank Castillo, if you go to his Instagram page, let me just tell everybody, he just won Roast Battle on Comedy Central, which, uh, with stand-up comedians, that's a huge deal. I mean, that is, that's a big deal. That show's a big deal. It's a big deal for comedy, but it's a big deal that you won. And, uh, if you go to your Instagram page, dude, it's so inspirational. You do the shittiest fucking shows. <laughs> you're out there doing bowling alleys. You're out there doing, like, bars with three people in them. And you're doing three, four a night. You're just always hammering it. I love it. And then to see you do that and to see you working at the store, like many other people before, like Duncan's done, like Ari's done, like Ren Azizi's done. Like, so many people have gone from working at the store. Bobby Lee, I mm -hmm. think, worked at the store. Yep. So many people have gone from working at the store to making it as a comic. So to see you go from working at the store, grinding every night, and then winning roast battle, show these motherfuckers the, the, the <laughs> trophy here. Dude. It's fucking heavy. Feel That's legit as fuck. Damn. Now I get why they don't want people to hand those out. Like, the second I got it, I was like, I get why they, I get it now. They shouldn't just hand these out to kids. It's so powerful. Yeah, you can't just give a kid a trophy for nothing. You gotta win. You gotta win. You gotta do it. And that this show, Roast Battle, is one of the reasons why I came back to the comedy store. When I went to see uh, Ari was doing his uh, special, and uh, he had decided to film his first Comedy Central special at the store. And I hadn't been in the store in seven years. I hadn't even stepped foot inside the place. And I was like, well, there's no way I'm missing this. So I had a I had to bite the bullet. I had to go in there, and um, then I said, "Let me just go the night before." And uh, Jeff Ross asked me to uh, be one of the judges at Roast Battle, mm -hmm. and so I was sitting up there, and I was going, "Wow, this is crazy! This is a totally different thing. Like this was never here seven years ago. There was nothing anything like it. It was like really creative writing, really like nasty jokes, but then everybody's hugging afterwards. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's the one like one of the rules is like after you do it, you got to hug it out. Like, yeah. It was fucking great. And I was like, creatively, this is so inspiring. And it's so, there's so much life to it. That, and then Ari Special, I said, fuck it, I'm back. It was, uh, it's a crazy thing, man. I mean, it was just, also just having you show up and just be a part of that. That was one of those things where like everyone knew, like all the younger comics, all the open micers, because it started as an open mic. So when we saw you come in, everyone was just like, oh, it's, this is different. Like that's when everyone kind of was like, oh, things are changing. Yeah, man, things have changed since then at the store. Mm -hmm. The store is a crazy place now. It's insane. Man. Like I've been there. I started there in '94, and uh, it was kind of like there's something that happened before I got there. Like a bomb had gone off, and like these are the survivors that just moved back to the city. It was weird. It was like the age of Kinnison had died. You know, and then there was really no one after him. So, like, I came in the early 90s, and Kinnison was, like, 80, you know, like, the early 80s to, like, 86, 88. And then I believe he died in, like, what did he die in, like, 1992 or something like that? He'd already left the store. 
And um, when I got there, it was all these weird road comics that were like Bodaks. 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 You know what a Bodak is? No. Someone who does a lot of cruise ships. Oh, no okay. disrespect to anybody who does cruise ships. I know there's a lot of comics who really do love doing cruise ships, and they're really funny comics. There's, that's not what I mean, but what I mean is like there's, there was certain people that didn't work anywhere else but like really shitty gigs oh yeah and there was a lot of them at the store and i was like this is so weird i thought it was going to be like richard pryor and you know and louis anderson i thought it was just going to be killer after killer after killer it wasn't like that but it is now oh this is the time it is some of those lineups are the absolute craziest Dude, like, it's ridiculous crystalia bill burr you're like what over and over again yeah. this killer after killer after killer moshe kasher joey diaz what the fuck man yeah. tasha lazare all those yeah. guys going up it's yeah. crazy yeah 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 andrew santino boom 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 it's like killer after killer young killers older mm -hmm. killers it's crazy ron white is there now just walking around it's the it's it's ron White's insane. hanging with us in that back bar yeah the elder statesman of stand-up comedy i remember when ron white came into a casino i was working at i was just it was before i moved to los angeles before anything i was just working in a bar and he was doing a show there and i remember i was just like oh my god i can't believe it's ron white yeah man and i talked to him and then now it's just so crazy to be like at the comedy store sitting in the back smoking a joint just talking to him about comedy dude and you know what? We started doing the factory again, too. We did the factory last week, and we're going to do it again next week. We're going to do the factory on Wednesday nights every other Wednesday. Oh, that's amazing. At 10 o'clock. Yeah, man, because the factory was struggling, and we were like, the Laugh Factory is a good club. It's just, you know, it had a lot of weirdness in the past yeah. that was connected to it, and the store was always that place to go to. So, like, I think it's important when we see these clubs that we're really lucky to have that we support them all. Absolutely. You know, keep them going. It's because it's guys like you, these guys that are coming up, like, you're, you're going to be in the same position that we're in someday where you're, you know, you're, you're capable of, like, organizing a night and mm -hmm. filling up a room and then it pumps up the business and then guys like you get in. You know, like when we did the Ice House Wednesday night, you know, like yeah. guys like you get in and then you'll be in that same position someday, too. It's fucking cool to watch, man. Yeah. It's absolutely just insane to be a part of. You know what I mean? Because it's like doing I get to host when we were at the Laugh Factory that Wednesday. And that was bananas because it was just like meeting the booker and the manager and all these people. And, and again, also, sick lineup. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're, you're getting in. You're, you're like at the door. You're, it's. I remember those days, man. Well, I was, ne I was never in a position like you're in, though. Like your position is b better than my position when I was in like your your stages of stand up because you got into something through stand up. I got mm -hmm. into something through a sitcom. Yeah, like a sitcom is like it's okay. But it's not the same. Like, the, the stand-up route is the best route. Yeah. It's really odd, too, because of, like, just how many people have seen the roast battle. Like, just the finals. Like, I almost I almost feel naive because I didn't realize how many people were there. Like, it was like <laughs> winning the combine of, like, the NFL combine, but for comedy. It was, dude. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. It was, like, guys at the store and girls. I shouldn't be sexist. <laughs> guys the girls and girls at the store. Um, we were following it like a sports team. Like, we were following it. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. It's like, who's in the lead? Who's winning? Where's he at? You know? Yeah. And just the, the vibe in the room was absolutely crazy. Just like Dude. hearing this. It was like a sporting event. It was nuts. Dude, when I showed up at the store after you'd won, it was like like we were Super Bowl champs. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. It was, people were like crying, like other, com but also me winning was such a weird thing because it was like, 
especially the LA comedy community, I don't want to say like open micers, like it's a terrible term, but it's like, I'm still an open micer. You know what I mean? Like I still hit open mics. I'm still right. a comic that does these things. So it's like when I won, I would see all these guys that I would see at these open mics. And it was just like, it was like, we won. You know what I mean? Right. Cause it's like, they see me at all these spots. They know me as the guy that's always working at the store. That's always doing something. So it was like a weird sense of pride. It was like your home team. Winning. Yeah. But it's also, it shows you that you can do it. Like they're you, you're them. You guys are all working together. Yeah, you're all doing those open mics together. They know there's there's nothing like you didn't get some Willy Wonka golden ticket and mm -hmm. somebody let you in. No, you just hammered it out, man. You kept doing it. Your Instagram page is the shit, man. I really do draw inspiration from it. I love seeing, and I know you're funny too, mm -hmm. which helps. Thank you. Because <laughs> there's certain people that I look at and I go, well, this guy, this guy or this girl, all they have to do is not fuck this up. They're funny. Like you got it. Yeah. And it's like it's very important to tell those people that too. Like, so um, you you can do, because I remember people saying that to me, and it was a huge, like, Mark Maron gave me a speech one day after I uh, did a show at um, uh, the, the Comedy Connection in Boston, which was this little tiny room, and he said some cool shit to me after my set, and I was just a raw open micer, mm -hmm. like, way rawer even than you. I was like, how long have you been doing it now? Uh, started when I was 21, so I'd say about 27 now, so six years, but like seriously for four, which is like the pace that I've been doing it where I'm like hitting mics, trying to go on shows and really taking it seriously. Is it harder to get cracking in LA, do you think, because there's so much comedy here? I don't think it's hard to get cracking. I think it's tougher, definitely, but I think if you're willing to work hard, because you're surrounded by, this is something my manager told me right before I moved, because I was supposed to get a job and then I didn't and I was really bitter and I wanted to move to Los Angeles. He said, you could move now and find out you're the shit and things are going to go great. Or you could move now and find out you're not the shit and then work really hard and then get really good. And that's what I did. It's Damn, like, you got a good manager. That's good, solid manager <laughs> advice. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was a, it was a restaurant manager, but I mean, that was great advice. Wow. So he doesn't have anything to do with comedy? No, he was just a man. Call that dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him to start an agency. Yeah. That's why it was so logical. That's why what he said was so logical. Yeah. You never hear that from fucking stand-up comedy managers. They give people the worst advice. Yeah. But that's what I did. I moved here, and then it was like, you know, people were just like, oh, there's no time in Los Angeles. It's like, no, there's time if you're willing to make it. Like, I will drive to a mic, sign up drive to another mic, sign up, drive back to that first mic, hit a spot, text someone that's running a show or a host that I know is going to just toss me up at the end so I know I could go to that mic in two and a half hours while I'm waiting for this other mic. Yeah. So it's like, it's just like, how much are you willing to pay for gas? You know what I mean? Like you, it's really, you're investing in yourself. You know? Yeah. Well, you're, you're, you're also, you're, you're definitely investing in yourself, but you, you're growing. In yeah. some weird way, like when the more sets you do, your act just kind of grows. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I've done the hat trick at the store. We do mm -hmm. the main room, the belly room, and then the OR, or you know what, whatever order. But by the time you get to that third show, dude, you're on fire. You're just ready. You're just ready Woo! to have fun. You know, you're just warmed you're just up, tucked and in the groove. And that's where a lot of times new ideas come from because mm -hmm. you're so comfortable on stage. Like maybe you're working on a new bit, and out of nowhere, this new angle comes up, and it's the best angle of the bit. It's because it's just something you said. Yeah. Like offhand. It's also something super satisfying it's about seeing someone work hard and become successful. I, I love seeing people succeed. Yeah. Like in seeing like someone work hard and then it actually working. And then you see all these people that come up with excuses and they're mm -hmm. always fucking off yeah. and they're not they're not traveling enough, they're not doing enough sets, they're not writing enough, they're sticking with the same old material for too long. You know, come on, man. Yeah. And now it's different because it's like I'm in a weird position where it's like most people win something like that and then they'll tear off their hour or something. And it's like me, 
I'm just a, I, you know, I'm a door guy. So I've got like 15, maybe 20 good minutes, but now's the opportunity for me. Like people ask me to headline somewhere, like some random club. I was like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> like I'll do 20 minute sets for the next year and a half to build that hour. Cause yeah. I just want to be a good comic. Well, you definitely have to get frantic now about creating new material. Yep. And that's something about those really short sets. Like a lot of times open mics, they give you three minutes. You know, what do you get? Three, sometimes five, three, and then, sometimes four. Some people give me a little bit longer just because, you know. Yeah. But that's, it's hard to come up like that. For me, that's like the setup for a bit sometimes. Yeah. You know, like you're just getting, you're, you're just getting the whole sort of landscape laid out before you go into a bit. Yeah. Kinnison used to say that. That was a big thing about Kinnison not liking to do uh, late night shows. Mm. He's just like, I can't get cooking in five minutes. Yeah. You know, because he was used to doing those. He would take the late spot at the store where he would just go as long as he wanted. He would have yep. that last spot. The Kinnison spot. Yeah. I mean, that's what we call it today. Yeah. We call it the Kinnison spot. I've never done it. Maybe I've done it like two or three times, but I mean, I haven't done it in like recent years at all. I got to do one super late spot. It was the first time I worked a potluck. And usually at the rules of, um, the store, once you first get hired, you don't get on friends and family list for a few months. It's something you have to earn. Uh, that's when I was working there. So it was like for the first four months, you didn't get any spots. You had to keep working there, and then eventually they'll toss you on potluck. And then if you're good enough, they'll put you on the name, or you put your name on the list, so you have to get up. So it was my first night working potluck. It's 1.30 in the morning, and the host is about to finish the show. And I'm talking to one of the guys. I'm like, hey, I, you know, I just got hired here. I haven't gotten up. There's still two people here. There's no paid regulars. Can I just go up at the end and do like three or five minutes? And the manager's looking at me and was like, whatever, go ahead. And then, yeah, I got to go up three minutes, did like potluck at 1.30 in the morning in front of two people. And that was like the most funnest I've ever had. Well, you're realizing like, holy shit, I'm on stage at the comedy store. Yeah, yeah. Just that alone. Yeah. I'm actually behind a mic in front of an audience at the comedy store. Yeah, yeah. Where everyone else has been that's been following these exact same footsteps. Yeah, you know, this is a conversation that I had um, the other day with uh, another comedian where we were talking about how there's certain actors, especially, I think, actors, who will treat people... Um, that are like what they call below the line, mm -hmm. like producers and people who are extras and people who are, you know, um, they're they're not caterers, things like that. They're not the they're not they're not the executives yeah. and they're not the big top people and the other actors. So they treat them one way, and then the rest of the folks that work on the set a different way. Like those people are not equal. They're they're like below the line. And we were talking about how with stand up, everybody at the store. Is pretty much like once you start working there, once your people th like you and you're cool, we're all the same thing. Yeah, like you get that, like like whether it's Daniel Tosh or you know Bill Burr, like they'll talk to you like everybody talks to you. Yeah. Like everybody's the same. Yeah, because we all know that we are that person. Like everybody, like everybody working the door that has dreams to become a stand-up is like me when I was delivering newspapers or driving limos. It's same thing. We're yeah. all the same thing. It's absolutely crazy, too, because, like, I mean, working at the store, I mean, you put a great point. Like, there's definitely a moment where headliners start taking you seriously and then treat you like a peer. Yeah. And that is an awesome moment and just, a like, it's interesting right when it happens. Like, I remember when, like, you know, you first started talking to me or, like, Jesselnick or, like, Jeff Ross first, like, gave me attention just to, like, talk and, like, I could hold their attention like we like it felt like we were peers and that's just a insane feeling to have as a young comic for the first time well it's that's part of the the scary thing about i think it was probably any any endeavor whether you're you want to become a 
an artist or a surgeon or whatever the fuck you want to become, if you have people that you see that are ahead of you that are already doing it, it seems like the barrier between you and them is insurmountable. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just someone saying something to you, just someone saying, look, everybody starts out as a beginner. There's no instant experts. No. You start out as a beginner, you don't know what the fuck you're doing, and then eventually you figure it out. So everyone you see that is up there, that is, that's you. We're all the same thing. Just people, people and the people that are further ahead, you kind of have an obligation to go, hey, if you like the art form, and I love the art form, I think stand-up comedy is like my, still my favorite thing to watch after oh, yeah. all these years of doing it. You want more people to succeed. Oh, yeah. You know, so this is, I think there's a greed thing that some folks possess mm-hmm. where they only want to shine. They want to yep. be the only person who shines. So they, they see, see these people coming up, they're like, fuck them, you know, I'm going to keep these fuckers down, kiss my boot, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's some of that, you know, where they're trying to kick you as you're trying to mm-hmm. climb up behind them. I've experienced that a few times, but I was my mom always told me, and my dad too. My mom always said uh, <laughs> it was one of those things where it was like you treat everyone the way you want to be treated, and also you also got to remember it's like it's like you have to be nice to everybody because you never know who's gonna be who. Yeah, well, you should just be nice because it feels good too. Yeah, and it's also yeah, feels good to point. them, feels good to you. Yeah. Like, like when I go, sorry, when I no, go on open mics, and I always make sure to tag all the guys running the mics. I always make sure to say thank you and stuff because it's like you know I'm not the only one, and you always got to try to take care of other people and bring them up. Yeah, and that cool little network of social media, you know, of tagging people's Instagrams and you know letting people know like hey, the haha on Tuesday nights, great mm-hmm. show, like all that stuff helps. Helps everybody. Helps the community. It helps uh, people who are comedy fans. Like, if you're a comedy nerd, holy shit, what a good town to live in. Oh, absolutely. It's crazy. And you see a lot of them. You see them, like, come to the store. And sometimes it's, like, unnerving because you know they've seen your act and you're working on these new bits. Uh-huh. So like, oh, bitch, you've already yeah. seen this bit. Yeah. <laughs> you feel like such a fraud. That's how know? I feel every time I go up at the roast battle. Because I get to go up uh, every Tuesday at the roast battle and then... Before, it was just, like, audiences who kind of, like, have seen the roast battles so the fans of it. But now it's, like... This is the first week where people came to see me. Like, they were just like, oh, my God, we know who you are. And Moses, who runs the show, and Coach T, both just, they were like, you're you're here to see Frank? (laughs) It was like a black couple, too. They're like, black people like Frank? This is crazy. (sighs) But it was just nice. And so, but now it's like there's a pressure every Tuesday for me to do something new, to write something new. Yeah, you got to ramp it up. Yeah. Yeah, but you're still working at the store, too. I saw you had pictures of you sweeping up Uh, after a roast battle. (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's a great feeling, too. Uh, I had to put in my uh, two weeks, sort of, like my almost two weeks. They'll get you Uh, up there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I had to put in my, I had to tell my boss, I was like, listen, I was like, I love working here, but I'm just getting too busy at nights. Like, I can only work phones. And then I was like, so I got to go do, you know, stand up stuff. And they were super cool. They're like, that's great. We're really happy for you. And that just shows that the system's working at the store. It's the only place that I know of that really has that system where the employees are all comics. Mm-hmm. They're all so, it's so weird. It's a fun place to work because of that. It's the best, man. I mean, there's no, I mean, in that picture, too, it's one of those things where it's like someone called me and was like, can you work? phones and i was like yeah i'll work phones so i worked phones and then i sat in the main room because someone couldn't make because someone was out of town so i sat the shift and then every and then i had to help with the roast battle because i do that anyways it's just part of my job so it was like i did all these things and then i got to do a set and then i got to judge the roast battle and toss jokes out because when i judge i mostly just write jokes so i can just say funny things while i'm and then i let everyone else do like the critiques and stuff mm-hmm. it's also like who am i <laughs> right but I, I it's just an opportunity for me to shine and make funny jokes at the people battling but i mean it it's all just in today's work you know it's all just work 
Well, that's the thing about that roast battle show that's really interesting is that it's really a joke writer showcase mm -hmm. because everything has to be new. There's no, you can't use stock jokes, mm -mm. and you are you're essentially given an assignment. Yeah, you know, like hey, Frank Castillo, this is you know Bob Smith, and you know you got to figure out what's fucked up about Bob Smith's head. Yeah. <laughs> that one joke he said about that dude, what was it? His forehead. Oh, Joe's forehead. Uh, oh, Joe's foreheads. Joe's forehead looks like it added a second story on it, so it'd be more room to think about dicks. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of shit, you know, uh, because the dude did have a large forehead. Uh, but, like, that's something that you have to think up yeah. about that person. And if you make a regular forehead joke, that's not going to be, like, it's like, oh, okay, cool, he's got a big forehead, whatever. Yeah, but right. if you make it and add layers to it, it's more funny. Yeah, yeah. and it really is a set-up punchline format. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really funny format because it's a blah, blah, blah is so blah, blah, blah. You know, you can't, there's no ranting. Mm -mm. There's no, you, you really, you, only, you can't go on rants also because you're really only supposed to be allowed one line. Yeah. Like, sometimes people cheat and they'll throw like two and three in. Well, that's, that's the cool thing about it. It's like, it's almost like boxing. That's the beauty of the Roast Battle show. It's like, it's not only writing, it's also performance. And it's like the last, especially in the finals, you can see where like... I do some crazy shit, and then it's also, that's something I learned from Mike Lawrence in the season one, where Mike Lawrence season one, he was one of the only guys to be, to start the thank you, blah, 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 and then go into the joke, and then hit him again. So it was like, so it's fitting a rebuttal into your setup. And then this season, I did something new where it was like, I knew that if people hit me with the looks like joke, they were going to stop and wait for the laughter and then do the rest of their joke. So in my mind, I was like, if I hit them quick with a better looks like joke, it'll take the momentum out of that last joke. And now it just depends on this joke to create the momentum. Right. So it's, it's like you're playing chess up there. Yeah, it's like boxing. Like those looks like jokes are just quick jabs. And then your big, big jokes are your fucking haymakers. Yeah, there's some mean shit that gets said too. Oh my god, like some soul searing shit. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. like you'll survive, but you will be scarred. Oh yeah. You know, some people are really brutal, but fucking hilarious too. Oh, yeah. It's a weird art form. It's a totally different thing. You know, like but this whole roast battle thing is a totally different thing than regular stand up. But oh, yeah. regular stand up is in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, because you still have to, like, perform. That's why, like, that last battle with me and Brichard was so good, because Brichard is one of the funniest dudes I know. He's a great writer, super cool dude, and an amazing roast battler. But it's like when you're in that situation and there's just so much pressure, because it's like you're getting made fun of, you have to memorize these jokes, because they had us memorize the two guys we pot the guy we were going against and the two possible winners of the other bracket. Oh, so and how had, much time did you have to write these bits? Uh, so it was, I think, five days five days you had to write five jokes four jokes for the first guy one possible overtime and then the finals was five jokes one possible overtime so wow. six jokes so total you're writing 18 20 jokes not including your looks like or your quick rebuttals holy shit that's a lot of work yeah and are you taking like these five out of a pile of like 20 or 30 like how many jokes are you actually writing before you narrow it down well usually if it's like a, for the tv thing like it was, uh, they let us, like, I had my cut man, which is like my boy Dan Nolan. He helps you me with strategy. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's what they did season one, too. Well, that's what they want to do, because it's like, in the finals, they want it to be a great show. So for me, it wasn't like he was writing me jokes. It was like, we both sat down, and I wrote a bunch of premises and a bunch of angles, and we talked strategy. And then we went from there, because it was like, if I'm going to make fun of Joe, I can't just be making so many gay jokes, because I'm going to get dinged for that. But it's like, 
he's that's such a big characteristic of how he is and how he walks and just like how he holds himself that it's like you can't not make jokes about that right so it was like if i make jokes about it i have to be silly and it has to come from like a childlike ignorance you know what i mean so i can't like call him like like a faggot or something like super mean or anything i just got it like but i could say it was like he loves butt stuff you know what i mean like that's just funny and childlike you know well i see what you're saying Uh, like yeah like there's a tone that you have to set where you you can't be too mean no because while you're even while you're saying really mean shit exactly because you can lose the crowd yeah but if you can gain their trust to the point where you've said so many silly funny things that's where at the end you can really earn saying something terrible but as long as it's funny now is it weird to be doing these roast battles where you're writing all this new stuff every week but then when you're doing stand-up you're doing a lot of stuff that you've already done before yeah it is weird in the sense that it's like it's making me realize that the different, like that I can just, I can create new material. You know yeah. what I mean? Cause especially in not high pressure situations, but it's like, if I give, if I have a goal or a set, a set time, like I can write new material. And now what I'm realizing is like, I can just do that with my standup. If I can do that with Rose battle where I sit down and write all these jokes, I can do that with writing packets. I can do that with my standup and it's just getting up and just doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where's that book? Dude, this book is the shit. People it. are getting mad at me now from for suggesting this book so much, but it's called The War of Art. It's by this guy Stephen Pressfield, and it's essentially about overcoming what he calls resistance, what most people call procrastination. Oh yeah, you, you know that overcoming this whatever it is that keeps you from actually putting in the work. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he talks about it, and he he sort of identifies it, and then gives you tools to deal with it, and explains how it affected him. He was essentially just not doing well at all in his life till he was about forty, and then at forty, he kind of got his shit together, and now he's just an award-winning author and uh, written a bunch of great movies and a bunch of great books. It's just very inspirational stuff. But that that's what I was kind of getting at. It's like I think that now that you're in this new spot where everybody knows who you are, you won the roast battle, you got all this heat on you, it's like super important now to take all that writing to the next level. Absolutely. You know? Like, yeah. I mean, I thought it was busy now, or before just grinding and writing these jokes. Now it's like, like I walked into Levity and the manager knew me. Like everyone kind of knows who I am in a sense. You know what yeah. I mean? Not that I'm like, oh, I'm famous. I'm just, they just know that I did this thing. And well, that, there's, a, there's a window. Yeah, yes. You got to jump through that window, you know, because some people miss that window and it's mm-hmm. weird. You'll run into guys that were on Last Comic Standing a long time ago and they had a window where things were happening for them. And then it blew away yeah. and they never capitalized. They never jumped through it. And there's some guys like Ralphie May who jumped through it running. Mm-hmm. You know, Ralphie May probably worked harder than anybody after that show was. He was cranking out DVDs, mm-hmm. touring everywhere, and uh, he capitalized phenomenally on his time on the show. But other people just did not. They just never really, never really got it cooking. But you are, um, you know, you're, you're you're like in a great spot like right now. Yeah, and that's for me. It's like. I don't plan on stopping. Like I want to do as many sets as I can. I'll do it. I'll still do someone's quinceanera for twenty bucks. Like I'll do. Were you really? For oh 20? yeah, man. <laughs> Get ready. I'll do whatever, man. It's just people gonna it's... have a fake quinceanera just to have you over. <laughs> <laughs> like, Get him for twenty bucks, man. <laughs> Guy won roast battle. There's no Mexicans here. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but it's just like I mean. I just want to do stand up. That's my favorite yeah. thing. Especially like I do it does suck that I'm not going to be at the store as much working there cuz that was one of my favorite things was just sitting working the door and just watching all the comics go up cuz I really believe the store is a comedy college. 
Yeah, no, it definitely is. But you graduated from high school and now you're yeah. uh, moving on into university life. <laughs> oh, it's insane, man. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. This the store right now. Um, I think uh, is a, a wonderful place for you to come back to when you're doing other shows yeah. and then start doing shows there as yeah. a paid regular. You know, yeah. once you showcase and get through. Yeah, I showcased once. Um, and I can't wait to showcase again. But I think we were talking about this earlier. It's like a lot of people come up to me and ask me, like, are you going to be a paid regular? And it was one of those things where it's like, I want to, but I want it when it when I feel I've earned it and I deserve it. Right. I want to get it just because of something. Yeah, dude, the, the, the yeah. funny shit that you wrote on Roast Battle, you could do that all the day. You could do that all day about, you could just like pick subjects, yeah. you know, like ro Roast Trump. You know, yeah, yeah. did you see that new thing that came out today? That, I mean, not yesterday, that crazy rant that he went on? That press conference for an hour and a half, yeah. oh, dude. People, so funny. people that are friends of mine that are conservatives are scared. Yeah. Like I have some buddies of mine that were like, "Dude, this ain't good." Like he oh. seems unstable. Oh yeah, he's going crazy. My favorite are the people that look at it and they're just like, "No, this is totally cool. No, this is totally fine." These people are out of their mind. There was a reporter who um, did you see that one reporter? Um, the Jewish reporter when he tried to shut him down, told him to sit down. No, no, thing. the reporter that. Um, he was talking about what kind of a landslide he won the Electoral College by, and that it's the greatest landslide ever. Yeah. And this guy was like, absolutely not. <laughs> he pulled out the stats. Yeah, he pulled yeah. out the stats. Yeah. Everybody did better. Obama did better. Mm -hmm. George Herbert Walker did better. George W. did better. They all did better. Yeah, I think it was the guy from CNN, and then he ended up calling him CNN. He's like, ah, now i got a new name for him. It's very fake news. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's that guy. It's, it's on Patton Oswalt's Twitter page. He retweeted it that someone um, said something about uh, calling him out on his lies because he says what the you know that he won by the biggest landslide ever, and then this other guy comes in like someone who's that overt with their ego. Mm -hmm. Like that's never been a part of the White House before. It's, no. it's so strange to see, and I just I think the it seems like already that's wearing on him. Oh yeah, yeah. He looks yeah. like a crazy person. You could see it. He it's 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 he's unraveling. You know what I mean? And it's also like the people he's got around him, you know, it, they're not helping him at all. Is that a blunt with this like tobacco blunt. on the outside? Yes. Oh, you son of a bitch. I'm a big fan of blunts. I only started smoking. I only smoked these a couple of times, but Charlie Murphy got me on these. Oh man, when I growing up in San Jose, my cousins all they did was smoke weed and. One of my cousins, it was like a thing with him. Whenever I'd roll a blunt, he'd get mad at me if it if it wasn't as full as possible. <laughs> he'd get mad. Yeah, he'd be like, "Dude, there's too much tobacco. I can take." And then I wouldn't like get mad, but he'd like give me shit. So like, I oh, had you to... put tobacco inside too? No, 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 no. It's just the outside. Oh, okay. But it's just like if you don't roll it fat enough. Um, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the there's... tobacco leaf on the outside. Now you're those tobacco. What's really weird is those tobacco leaves are the that's the same leaves that's on cigars but you don't inhale cigars mm -mm. but you inhale this mm -hmm. so you get so fucked up from these things in a weird way oh yeah, yeah. it's a little bit of nicotine i mean i, oh, I a lot of nicotine yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can't there's a lot it's battling it's like oh, yeah. it's like stupidity and 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 peace are battling together i um love weed weed's my favorite i remember when i had to tell my mom that you're a weed smoker? Well, she found weed in my uh, in my room. Frank! And then she told me, she was like... Get over I, here, Frank! Yeah, she was like, if I ever catch you smoking weed, she's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. But then the second I turned 18, she was just like... And then it started to become legal. She was like the first person to try to get a card. 
Really? Yeah, my mom smokes tons of. My mom's That's a party hilarious. animal. Well, why was she worried about you? Because she, when she was young, she did a lot of crazy stuff. Oh, uh, she was she worried that you were, you were going to ruin your life. Yeah, she doesn't want me to, you know, yeah. get crazy. My, well, people always resist the idea that their children are going to become adults. It, yeah, it bothers them, and it bothers them that their children are going to face the same tests. You know, when you're when you become a parent, you realize like you think about all the stupid shit that you barely survived. And yeah. You're like, God damn it. Like, what about my kids? They're going to have to make those same stupid mistakes. And then, you know, people want a helicopter parent. Nerf the world. I'm good, dude. <coughs> yeah, my mom, uh, my mom loves me so much. She just, she cares. I mean, she's a mom. She cares. She had me when she was like 19. So when she was, um, she just doesn't want me to turn out to be a bad kid, which I mean, I think I'm not going to be, you know? Dude, you're a man. You're done. Exactly. You made it through. What is this? Oh, yeah. Okay, play this. Because it's hilarious. This is the, the Trump saying something and the reporter correcting him. Listen to this. Is it not going through? Hmm. We have a little bit of a sound. Here it goes. Bring it all the way back to the beginning. 306 electoral college votes. I guess it was the biggest electoral college win since Ronald Reagan. You said today that you had the biggest electoral margin since Ronald Reagan with 304, 306 electoral votes. In fact, President Obama got 365 and 236. Well, I'm talking about the president. Yeah. President uh, Obama, 332, yeah. and George H.W. Bush, 426, when he won as president. So why should Americans trust? Well, no, I was told I was given that information. I don't know. I was just given. We had a very, very big margin. I guess my question is, why should Americans trust you when you accuse? The information they receive of being fake when you're providing information that's well i don't know i was given that information i was given i've actually i've seen that information around but it was a very substantial victory do you agree with that you're the president okay thank you I, that's a good answer yes this is craziness this is craziness like you saw him adjust in mid-sentence where he was like uh i was talking about republicans and then it turns out this guy hit him with a bomb. It's almost like he verbal boxed him. Like he oh, set yeah. him up with that because he had Herbert Walker in his pocket. Mm -hmm. He built up. You know, he went Obama. And then he hits. He's, he's like, well, I was like talking about Republicans. And then he yells, like, like, about, <laughs> look at this, George Herbert Walker, butch bitch. Bam. Boom. Which was like, what is it, 455? He won by landslide. Yeah. Right? Damn. And then what did he Poor do? fella. <laughs> what Trump do? He just goes, eh. Yeah, it's just weird. That's sort of the information I was given. Like, you want to know something funny? Man. Uh, when I did the roast battle, um, this is a great moment just for me as a Hispanic man. Um, I told that Baron Trump joke. What's the, I don't know that There joke. was a joke I did, and it was right after the lady got fired from SNL. Right. And the joke I did was, um, and Dan Nolan was the one who wrote it, and he kept he pushed me so hard to do it. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I can do it. He's like, no, man, you have to do this one. And I was like, fine. Um, but he, it was... Uh, Anna could pass for a Trump. She's got the body of Melania, the brains of Ivanka, and her womb is barren. Oh, shit. It's just a, it's a play on words. You know what I That's mean? That's hilarious. So, and it was just a good That's joke. So mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's not barren. Anna's an amazing woman. Um, but it was, it was just so funny because it was like the next day a conservative website wrote an article about it. And the article was about how good the joke was because they were like, this is how you don't write a joke or this is swinging down against, you know, the president's son. Mm -hmm. This is a great joke on playing words and this right. can get you to win. And it was just so funny to see 
people look at that and be like, oh, okay, that's just a good joke. It was really weird that intelligent people thought it was okay to attack his kid. Yeah. You sh- I mean, you should never just attack a person, especially a kid who doesn't, you know what I mean? It's weird. It's weird that people make these, I- they just have these decisions they make like that. Yeah. Like you're, you, it's okay because he's the kid of the enemy or something. No, like that. it's just a little kid. You got to hold yourself to a higher standard. That's why I was like making that joke. I felt like it was, it was a higher standard. But the but funniest, that's good that you have that higher standard yeah. because I I think we all recognize that base idea, that base instinct to mm-hmm. attack someone's kid like that. Yeah. You the know? best part though was uh, after that, uh, someone came up to me and they were just like, "We don't want you to not make jokes. We just want you, if you could please, you know, not." mention baron trump anymore that'd be great yeah and i was yeah. like don't make a habit of it yeah i was just like i was like no i mean i'm not gonna but i was like thanks i was like oh that feels cool that they told me to not do something i was like oh that's yeah. great dude you're a rebel yeah but it's 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 a really good joke as you said it's a play on words it's not mean at no. all it's not mean at all nor is it really a joke about him it's just Mm-mm. his name it's a great joke that's a pretty pretty flawless joke when it comes to that subject, you know. Oh yeah, so you've that's got all your bases walking covered. right on the line. <laughs> that's that's some people would just say you crossed it, but, but I think that's I a, think they're wrong. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect point because it's like you have to not make these jokes to find the line, but it's like as comedians, that's our job. Right. We gotta not push the boundaries and like say terrible things, but it's like you see a challenge, you know, see how finally you can walk that line. When you see a guy like Trump going through this, whatever he's going through right now, do you think that that's just the, this is just total speculation. Do you think that's the weight of all these people that are upset at him? Do you think that's the magnitude of the job? Do you think he, this is just who he is? I don't know if this is who he is. Um, I think he definitely, I think from what we can see is he definitely stepped into a job he thought he could do. And now he's just like, oh, okay. Because there's definitely sometimes where you watch him and you see him try to run it like a business or the way he talks to people. Where it's just like, oh, that's the way a boss would talk to someone that he thinks is employed by him. Yeah. Um, boy, I think he's also going through the scrutiny of some of the smartest people in the world. Yeah, man. And I don't think he ever has been through that. And I think he's gone through the scrutiny of the general public in mm-hmm. an entertainment sense. Yeah. And in an, a sort of, uh, you know, a cultural icon sense is the mm-hmm. term of this billionaire flamboyant character who puts his name on all these fabulous mm-hmm. buildings and runs casinos and all that stuff. I mean, that's how we thought of him. Yeah, he's like a bad Iron Man. Well, he's, you know, he's Donald Trump. I mean, he's. You don't get to be that successful without some crazy drive to win. Mm-hmm. And sometimes. You know, you, you get this blinders, sort of almost bullheaded determination forward. And guys like that conquered worlds. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the real deal, man. I mean, that's really what it is. That mindset that it's not always correct, but it's somehow or another almost always prosperous. Yes. You know, and they can get through. They can get through. But I think... A guy like that who's so business savvy and so good at making money, and some would argue, maybe you're right, maybe I'm wrong, you know, that well, he just invested his dad's money. I've heard all mm-hmm. that, but he still made a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Right? Maybe, you know, who knows how much? I don't know how much money he made. But uh, he, he's got money, that's for sure. Rich as fuck. Yeah. And I feel like all throughout history, those guys that have done that have been like conquerors. Yeah. Like, this is just, he's just getting to do it in business. Yes. You know? Now he's trying to do it on a global scale. But I think that that's almost like the mindset of those like super billionaire. I mean, they have like conquerors genetics or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. He's got like a little bit of Alexander in him. 
yeah, but I think there's just humans like that. Yeah. And, but now those humans find themselves in business, like these mm -hmm. like super winner characters. You know, fuck what you care about, fuck what you think. You know, this we're gonna do it my way. Yeah. You know. Sometimes I feel like I have that drive too. You know what I mean? Where it's like now, especially where it's like I, I, I get that. You know what I mean? Like that drive where it's like fuck it. You know, let's just work hard and get this shit done. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's what he's got. I mean, I definitely think he's got some of that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely misplaced in an odd direction. Well, it's just under the scrutiny of all these insanely intelligent people now. Yeah. It's just really, really fascinating. Like that reporter. Like that that kind of interaction is a new thing to him. Oh, yeah. And it's the, just the way he communicates. It's. I don't think he's ever been in a situation where... I think he's always been in a situation where he definitely feels and thinks. He's like, I'm definitely the smartest person in the room yeah. right now. But like when you put up up against someone that are you know more intelligent and like also have their shit ready and their facts he he doesn't know how to like handle that and then he just like breaks down in a sense what you just saw you know he like changes his words and he like uh it's really interesting from a psychological perspective you know howard stern had a really fascinating take on it and his take on it was that trump really wants to be loved and that's mm -hmm. a bad job for him because of that oh yeah because as a president <laughs> There's no president that's ever been universally loved. I feel you know what I no, mean. Uh, no every way, president, man. like either people love you or people hate you. Yeah, it's one or the other. It doesn't. <laughs> it's it's never like oh, I can live with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like some people were like I could live with them with George W. After nine eleven, yes. his approval rating went through the roof. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Because he made us feel better. He did. You know, like we say, okay, well, when some shit goes down. This is the kind of guy you want there, some guy who gives a real good speech right afterwards, has his strong military backing, and go, mm -hmm. okay, this is what we need right now. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, you know, that, that was what you need after some sort of a, a global crisis like that. Exactly. You need some... And, you need a leader. Yeah. So that was probably like the one time that I can remember. Just And it wasn't that long before people given up on him again. Mm -hmm. You know, after mission accomplished, maybe yeah. they had that. that. That was like the beginning of the end. Once ugh. they did that, they had that, they had a warship with a giant mission accomplished banner in the background. And the war is, you know, goes on for another like seven years, right? So <laughs> like, funny. When, when did the war end there? How, how much later, after that mission accomplished, did the war actually end? My favorite is there was a dude whose job it was to go get that printed up. Oh, my God. He, he probably was just staring at it like... That's so insane. Ugh. Someone talked to him, and they said, sir, it's over. He's yeah, like, yeah. Beautiful. Perfect. Get, put up the flag. Let's do this. Put up the banner. Yeah, look at that. Mission oh, accomplished. Yeah, yeah. That seems like a scene in a movie, doesn't it? Yeah, man. When you look at that photo, it's like, is that real? Is that really what happened? Folks, as you get older and you see this thing going on, you see these people and you see the presidents and you see the White House and Congress and you realize after a while, oh, these are all just people. Yeah. These are all just people. Human beings. And they're entrapped in this system that they've constructed in order to di dictate where they go, when they go how much they get, mm -hmm. and how they can live. I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. It's a series of laws that the, 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 ge the general idea is they're there to protect you and mm -hmm. your interest. But in a lot of ways, not really. No, you we know? just trust it. It's just a system. Yeah. A system of control that we all agree to. Yeah, man. You know?
I think that it's so funny because it's like the more stuff that happens with him and then just seeing everything, the more and more I'm just like, this isn't real. This is all just, this has to be a joke. Yeah. It feels, it doesn't feel real. Yeah. But it never did. It feels less and less real with time, though. It does. You, I mean, you always make those jokes where, like, we're in a simulation. Yeah. And there's many a day where I'll just, especially going on the road with you, just being here, just anywhere, I'm just like, oh, if this was a simulation, this is definitely the simulation I'd be playing. Yeah. It seems like this is a fun one to play. It seems like there's a lot of game elements in it. Mm -hmm. it seems like there's good decisions, bad decisions, and yeah. repercussions for each. It's insane. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird, weird world that you live in when a popular person wins the popularity contest for the first time. Yeah. You know, like someone who decides that they, they're going to run things. Like there's never been a guy like Trump who's run a country like that. I mean, just became like a really popular person and then just took over the country. Yeah. Fascinating. Absolutely insane. My favorite are just the people that follow. That's like, I can't, I, I love just watching them and talking to them. Well, some people favorite. are happy that there's chaos. Yes. Make no mistake about that. There's some people that are happy that he's in there because they think that the system that was in place was insanely corrupt. And I think they're right. Me and they're, too. They're banking on him being the solution to that, you know, because of his business savvy. I don't understand politics or finances enough to know if they're right. I don't. Yeah. But I know that, like, culturally, it's weird. The whole thing is weird. I feel like you know the difference between right and wrong. Yeah, I would hope so. I, you know, it's not even, it's not necessary. I think it's an impossible job. Oh, yeah. I really do. I think it's, it's, I think we should phase it out. I think we should figure out how to get a large group of people. You know, and I think I, you could go as many as, like, a dozen and have these people work it out. Like, really smart people. Yeah. Like, All scientists? No, different different disciplines. I think you yeah. have to have people from the medical profession. Oh, yeah. You'd have to have people from the scientific communities, biology, um, astrophysics. You'd have to have people that are predicting like what, what's going on with asteroids. Are yeah. we cool? Is everything cool, yeah. or should we just <laughs> should we just fuck it, do whatever we want because we're going to get hit by a giant rock forty miles yeah. wide? You know, in ten years, yeah. should we just chill? What do I, we do? Yeah, I need people smarter than me to yeah. fucking decide stuff like that. Because it's one of those things where it's like, like I'm an idiot, but I'm also pretty kind of well-versed on a lot of things. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know anything about finances. I mean, I like to think I know a little bit about politics. But, I mean, if there's a group of scientists and people that are really, you know, designing, I'd much rather have that than one dude who's not a big fan of a certain amount of people. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly like that. I don't know shit about politics. But I, I do know, and I talk about it. People, you shouldn't talk about something you don't should. I'm not, I'm not even going to study that crazy system. I no. think it's ridiculous. I think you can kiss my ass. People are allowed to give you money, and then you do things that they want you to do. Yeah, they donate money to you, and then you make decisions that benefit them. What for real? Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I don't need to be smart to know that that seems a little bit fucking weird. That system's crazy. It's just old as fuck, and that's how they had to do it in the 1700s. Okay, exactly. It's 2017. We could come up with a better system than this. Yeah, across the board, you know, like everyone's tripping about the uh, immigration, which they're deporting illegals and stuff they really are huh yeah that's so is I mean. it more than they used to deport people because no. how much did they used to deport they're people? still deporting regular amounts of people from what i understand from what i've looked at but the thing that i'm worried about and that worries me is that it's like there's certain people that obviously are illegal here and 
are getting sent back. Not all of them, uh, but just the fact that there's some that are getting sent back that are American concerns me. Yeah, and there's some that are really cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I have family really members nice that are real fucking cool as fuck. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really nice people. Yeah, I make this joke now where it's like I, I joke about losing my ID and how that's going to be a big problem for me now. Because <laughs> it's like if I get stopped and then I have to convince this dude that I'm American, you know what I mean? A lot of people that hear me say that joke are like, ah, that's not real, that's stupid, that's dumb fear. It's like you can just talk to them. And it's like, yeah, maybe. But what if that guy's having a fucking bad day? And also, don't you think like every other Mexican that gets caught in that is going to be trying to give the exact same speech I am? Yeah, 100%, man. It's just, it's weird because they're really only targeting Mexicans yeah. around California. You're not going to deport Canadians, hot blonde Canadians, oh, yeah. hot blonde girl from Vancouver. Oh, yeah. You're going to send her home? Yeah, yeah. The fuck out of here. Exactly. They're only targeting Mexicans, right? Oh. I would assume. And white people are going crazy right now. Oh, dude. They're... Logan doesn't know shit about immigration. Uh, they're taking our jobs. It is my you favorite. You fucking liberal. You it, uh... limousine liberal. My favorite, too, is that it's like, you know, I talk about these things and stuff in a very joking manner, but these are real problems certain people are having. And I went to a small show, and it was in a house, and it was just a lot of, like, white chicks white guys which are fine you know what i mean but i could just see some of them start to get uncomfortable with the things i was saying but it's like you know what that's fine get build that wall yeah build <laughs> that wall i just feel like one day that's not going to be real the wall no i don't think no. the wall is going to be real even no if i don't is, even think i don't think that i don't think there's going to be and i don't think this is a great idea like a new world order yeah you know like idea like one government to rule the world yeah but I think it would be really nice if people could go wherever the fuck they want. I, I just feel like this idea that you can like legally restrict people's movement based on patches of dirt they were shit out onto yeah. is pretty ridiculous. Yeah. It just seems like that's going to go away. Ah. If it doesn't go away a hundred years from now, it's going to go away a thousand years from now. It's it, preposterous. It's like, what's the point? People, I mean, whenever I talk to people about the immigration thing, people always, uh, and I respect people's opinions. I'll listen and I'm willing to learn and like I'll... Listen to what you have to say, and if it's terrible, I'll probably make fun of you a little bit. <laughs> That's just how I deal with things. Um, but it's like California used to be a part of Mexico. Yeah. If you look at the history Did books, we buy it? No, I it was- I shouldn't say we. Did, uh, I threw myself into white people, even though my parents were all immigrants. I were all immigrants. Um, the colonists. Yeah. But it was, um, I mean, that's that why- funny, we, though? I do, people do do that. Like I said, you know, we. I would yeah. say we. Like, hey, well, we killed all the Indians. No, I don't have a bitch. Yeah. There's zero direct connection to me and ending Indian deaths. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, they'll say we did it. Yeah. You know, when we came here, we pushed out the Native Americans. Like, wait, what is this we yeah. shit? And it's funny that they say pushed out. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, no, it was pushed out's in a, a very <laughs> nice term to what we did to them. Oh, I said it, too. Yeah, it's but it's that we thing is supernatural. Uh, supernatural to do. It's super easy to get locked up into little tribes. We just got to give it up. Yeah, we got to give it up. It's stupid. It is. It's I mean, old and dumb. It's so dumb. It's like, fine for teams. Yes. You want to play sports? It's awesome. Cleveland's gonna take on L.A. We gotta yeah. fucking go there and represent. <laughs> <laughs> we need a big asteroid yeah. to fucking unify everybody. It would do that. It definitely would. I saw what nine eleven did to New Yorkers. I guarantee you, if we had some sort of a mega disaster the people that survived would be nicer to each other yeah and they would realize how fortunate we are we've just we've been in a time of peace for so long yep. that we we can't intellectualize like we can't like in a conscious sense wrap our head around the fact that at any moment there could be a 45,000 mile an hour chunk of rock 
that slams into us. Yeah. We that can th- happen at any time. We all think we're invincible. Dude, those are scary. Like, they're supposed to be like 900,000 near-Earth objects between us and, and Jupiter. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Is that, is that right? Did you see? There's a. Uh, I hope I'm wrong about that, <laughs> but it's something scary like that. It's some insane number. Tyson put up a um, diagram of uh, the Earth and just the solar Neil system. Neil deGrasse spin- Tyson. Yeah. yeah, I think you should be real clear. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, Tyson? that's the only Tyson I know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just start. Calling what, I'm people. sorry. What did, what did he put up? I uh, he, po- he posted it was on his Instagram. It was just a diagram of the solar system like rotating, but then it showed like. Because we're technically flying through the universe, and then yeah. it shows just like just a group of us, just all you know. And in yeah. the moment that I realized that we're not stationary and that we're actually just moving through the universe, my head fucking exploded. Oh, it's crazy! Yeah, that that graphic is beautiful. It's you realize like it's taking a long time for it to make that motion. You're, oh yeah, you're looking at it over millions and billions of years, but that is what it's doing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's it. This is our world is spinning around a giant nuclear explosion that's hurling towards something. What it looks like is if someone launched some sort of a nuclear bullet and we're looking at it in slow motion. It's crazy. Like if a gun launched a sun bullet. I mean, that's what we're looking at. It's just our version of time is so, so brief that we can't appreciate that this thing is in motion because its motion requires billions of years to complete. So it's literally like a, a bullet getting shot through the cannon and all those things around it are particles that are sort of connected to it, like little fragments of it as it hurls through infinity. Yeah. We're That's just, us. <laughs> we're just a speck in the history. So I remember I was in class and they... <sighs> That it was like in the in the time of history or in the time of, in the time of the universe, humanity is just a second. Yeah, it's not even that. It's nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. We're just a little tiny thing. How many more near Earth objects? Okay. Fifteen thousand six hundred and twenty nine near Earth objects have been discovered. Some eight hundred and seventy six of those are asteroids with a diameter of approximately one kilometer. <gasps> Or uh, larger. 1,700? Oh, my God. Potentially hazardous? 1,785 of these near-Earth objects have been classified as potentially hazardous asteroids, or PHAs. Jesus Christ, you know when they have just three letters? It's serious. They broke it down. Potentially hazardous asteroids, 1,700 I was thinking of last, just last night. I was thinking I was talking with my friend. What if one doesn't hit Earth but crashes into the moon and just fucks, and fucks oh, up yeah. the moon? It's How, not good. That's not oh, good no. either. Right? No, it's all bad. bad. It's oh, all bad. There's, There's some was, people who think the moon's a hologram. It's definitely not real. <laughs> there was uh, there was one that slammed into Jupiter. That the explosion it created is was so big. It was I would believe it was like almost the size of the Earth itself. Oh, my God, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, Jupiter apparently is the reason why we are alive, because Jupiter is so massive that it draws everything. It's like our protector. It's like our guard dog. Hmm. Look at this. Look at the fucking impact. Watch this impact. It is the craziest shit. Look at that. Boom. That's an asteroidal impact on Jupiter. It was the size of Earth. It was the size of Earth. Yeah. What in the (laughs) fuck, man? What in the fuck? The size of the whole Earth? 
That's explosion banana. the size of everything on this planet. Get the fuck out of here. That's, that's <laughs> so insane. That's one of those moments. Oh. You can't even, run, like, if that happened here on Earth, you couldn't run from it. That's just one of those moments where you look at it and you're like, this is going to happen. Well, you know, that's what they say Earth is, that Earth is Earth 2, mm-hmm. and that there was an Earth 1, and Earth 1 got hit by another planet, and that's what created the moon. Yeah. That's like, I think that's the most current theory of how the, the Earth and the moon were formed and why they're so close to each other. Yeah, there's a great diagram of an asteroid hitting what Earth One is what they described it as, except, yeah. and then it just shows like how it would spin off and just a piece of it just. So it, there's a good diagram of how that's a, a pretty great theory. Now, does the moon? It's interesting. The, the moon doesn't spin the way the Earth spins, right? It has a different spin. It spins around us, but it does it spin on its axis as well. Is that a stupid question? Probably, right? I just don't understand gravity, so I should probably shut the fuck up. <laughs> the moon orbits Earth every once every 27.322 days. It takes approximately 27 days for the moon to rotate on its axis. As a result, the moon does not seem to be spinning, but appears to observers from the Earth to be almost perfectly still. Scientists call this synchronous rotation. Ah, oh, mm. fascinating. Wow, that's fucking cool. Oh, so we're... Both spinning? Oh, dude. <laughs> it's just the way we spin and the way it spins appears to us that it's not spinning. Oh, that's nuts. That's amazing. Dude, the moon is a fucking crazy thing. There's something one quarter the size of us. It's dead as fuck, and it's just floating in the sky. It's like having a dead body next to your house that you never talk about. But you like, just look at it. Yeah, you just look at it on your way to school. There's some dude who's got a skeleton on a bench, and he's just sitting there like, <laughs> that's what we could be. Uh, we could easily be that stupid fucking moon floating. Into the universe would not give a shit. No, the universe doesn't care. The universe does not give a fuck if there's water in Arizona. Nope. It doesn't care. My favorite is just seeing the moon during the day, and you're just like, oh, wow, that's trippy, but really fucking cool. It is so important to have people smarter than us out there so we can find this out. Can you imagine if you and I had to figure out what was going on? Oh, we'd be fucking <laughs> dumb. We'd be done. What? I'd just be making fun of stuff. Here, they're showing how it works here. How as oh. the moon spins, every part of it is essentially the same part. That's kind of fascinating. So the way the Earth spins, the way the Moon spins, it, it rotates at such a synchronous order that it looks like it's not spinning. That's beautiful. Sci- see, science is just such a fucking incredible thing that someone could figure that out and they can tell you, and then you don't have to figure it out on your own. No. Because like, there's too much work involved. Oh, you yeah. Imagine if you had to figure out, you know, what is nuclear physics? You know, what is, um, what's an atom? What's a, like, what, on your own? No. That's the weirdest thing about people. It's like we all act collectively whether we know it or not. We all act collectively, and without that, I feel like I have a booger on my nose, do I? No, you're good. Why is that so embarrassing? A booger Because everybody nose? has boogers, right? If you don't have a booger, something's probably wrong with your nose. But to have one and talk about it, it goes back to, like, childhood. Yeah, hey, you, know? you got a boogie. Yeah, like, you know, you catch your kids picking their nose. Hey, get out of there. Stop digging in there. It's just that good feeling. <laughs> it's a very embarrassing good feeling of picking out a booger. Oh, it's so satisfying. Yeah, dude. You ever watch someone do it in traffic? I have. Sure. It's the best. No one's looking. You're just going at it. I had my nose fixed. I had a uh, deviated septum. Uh. And uh, after I uh, after I had my nose fixed, I was blowing out the most disgusting blood boogers. Uh. 
because it was all like scabs and, and blood healing. and yeah. I would blow it out and and it would be giant, dude. Giant. Like the size of a thumb. Jesus. Yeah, it was crazy. I showed it to Tom Segura once. We were at the airport, and I blew my nose into a tissue, and I go, dude, you got to look at this. And he looked at it, and he dry heaved. He was like, Bleh. He appreciated it, though, right? He really had a hard time looking at it, man. <laughs> that's my favorite, just grossing out your friends. Yeah, well, that's one thing that Fear Factor killed dead in me. Oh, gross yeah, shit? Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of them right there. Oh, wow. Yeah, that came out of my nose, son. Jesus. Yeah, that was real. I feel like you could name it. It was giant. I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Um, I know I'm disgusting. I showed you a booger, but it's more blood than it yeah. is a booger. I used to surf and uh, I was bad at it, so I would get knocked underwater all the time. Oh no! And I remember the first time I ever went, I didn't realize that there's like when you were constantly surfing, you get water shoved up your nose all the time. So like, there's just a moment where you'll be out doing something and it'll all just release because the pressure's gone. So I remember I was like, I don't know if I was like talking to my girlfriend or something, but I was just talking to someone, and then just all of a sudden it just released, and I'm just talking to him and just salt water all over my face whoa just disgusting that is disgusting dude asteroids are freaking me the fuck out right now <laughs> we shouldn't have brought that up that's that's one thing that could just change everything yeah and th they happen all the time like we just missed one 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 came between us and the moon didn't it wasn't there one that like recently came between us and the moon hey or trump's gonna build a wall to. or it's about to yeah i think see if, see if you can find out what that is by the way, let's go champ. Everyone calls me that now when I walk Let's around. go champ? No, just oh, champ. It's such good. a great feeling. It's so stupid, too. <laughs> like, well, I'll go to open mics, they'll just be like, champ, champ. I'm just like, ah, oh, that feels good. Do you know who Shannon the Cannon Briggs is? The name sounds really familiar. Heavyweight boxer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a hilarious Instagram. I had him uh, on the podcast, Let's too. go champ. Yeah, this, that's him. Let's go champ. That's where that's where the hat comes from. This is an authentic let's go champ hat from the source. Oh, my God. That's the best. I felt it appropriate. To wear oh, in your presence, sir, okay. since you are now the roast battle champ. One happened January 9th. January 9th. Jesus Christ, it was last month, people. That's insane. Oh, that's so scary. We're in a goddamn shooting zone. We're in a like a shooting gallery. Isn't that what uh, Randall Carlson was saying? Isn't yeah. that how he described it? Yeah. We really are. He's right. There's a bunch of shit out there. It's, it's a 1,700 and something or another. That could kill us. Asteroid came within the half the distance from Earth to the moon, flying through cislunar space. What is cislunar? Is that like the it's, sex uh, it was born with? Yeah, it's space? not. Uh, not yeah, because that's cisgender. Does cislunar, is that connected to cis? Fucking idiot. Don't even know what the sir prefix is. <laughs> what is the cis? What is the cis prefix? What does that really mean? There's someone uh, online right now just screaming at us. You fucking idiots shouldn't talk about space. Cis lunar space this morning. Scientists at the Catalina Sky Survey discovered the asteroid, which is being called Asteroid 2017 AG13 on Saturday. Discovered it on Saturday. Jesus. They discovered it on Saturday? And is that what they're saying? Quick, I think so, yeah. Oh, my God. 50 to 111 feet across was moving at about 10 miles per second. Oh, my Jesus. 10 miles Jesus. per second. With the same size as the asteroid that hit Russia in 2013, the size of the asteroid coupled with how fast it was moving and how low its albedo brightness made it difficult to view through a telescope. Jesus fucking you know how Christ. how fast that is? You can't see it. 
It's dark and they can't see it. It's, it's so fast hurling. they couldn't see it. Oh, that's insane to me. Would it's you rather be on the the fuck out of me, man? Would this you rather be on the asteroid or on the Earth? You want to be right under where it hits. You don't want to survive. Yeah. You don't want to be eating people. You don't. You just don't want that to go down. You don't want to get to that spot where you're eating people, because that's where it goes. It, where, it's where it goes when it gets down to almost everyone's dead, and there's almost no life, and there's almost no food, and there's just all you need is oh, yeah. one or two aggressive, mean assholes. And next thing you know, you justify some shit, and you're in on, on an episode of The Walking Dead. Asteroid buzzed Earth and Moon, January. 25th. What is it? It's another one. Another one? This is a different one. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. He's going to terrify Joe today. This is the January 25th one, so the other one was January 6th? Is that what it was? Uh, it was uh, 7th? Oh, the 7th or 8th, I think. So, oh, yeah. my God. We're tripping about walls, man. We ain't tripping out fucking asteroids. Oh, my they God. They only found this one on the 20th. Passed between Earth and the moon late Tuesday night, according to the clocks in the Americas. The asteroid closest approach was 11.45 Eastern Time on January 24th, 2017. Da, 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 came within, I don't know what that means, 0 0.68 lunar distances. Whoops. Goddamn pop-up windows. Um, 0 0.68 lunar distances, about 162,252 miles. SLU broadcast a show about this asteroid last night, which you can see in the video above. And what website is this? Uh, Earthsky.org, but most of this information keeps coming from SLU, which is an mm. observatory. Uh -huh. um, Thank God those guys are watching to see death coming with not a goddamn thing we could do about it. Do you think they tell <laughs> Do you think they if 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 an asteroid's going to hit Earth, do you think they tell Trump? I don't know. I don't know what you do. What do you do if you know everybody's dead? Yeah, do you think he tells us? Like do you, if there if you're the, not even it doesn't have to be Trump, but do you think if you're the president and you find out the world's going to end because of an asteroid, mm. do you tell everybody? Well, no one wants to feel completely totally helpless. Yeah. But we absolutely are. We've been hit by planets, you fucks. We could get hit by a goddamn planet. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but they think there's another fucking planet at the end of our solar system now. Um, they don't know where it is, but they think it's six times bigger than the Earth. I've actually heard that. There's yeah. been a lot you of- You can't see it. Yeah, because of the shadows <laughs> of this, whole, this thing is crazy. This universe is crazy. There's rogue planets. Rogue planets go flying around and slam into other planets like billiard balls. Huh. Didn't they find a planet that like li they think is literally just a diamond? Dude, I was I was high as fuck once, and I went outside, and it was foggy, and uh, the moon was full, and it was foggy, and so it was this crazy illusion, like there was a enormous moon flying in the sky, oh. enormous moon, like many many times larger than the moon itself, like it was almost like another planet, like just hovering right over us because of the glow of the moon, mm -hmm. and I remember looking at that man, and thinking to myself, that could that could be another reality. Like there, oh, yeah. there could be another planet somewhere out there in the universe that is looking up at this gigantic thing that's like a, 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 another planet just floating right, right above you. And there's, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They keep yeah. finding new ones. Yeah. Which is just flying through this huge storm of planets and nuclear explosions. Mm. Fuck, man. That's crazier than anything that we, we ever contemplate on this earth while we're alive. Yeah, Just the, the very nature of space itself. There's a, I think there's a diagram of like the biggest sun. 
that are the biggest star they've found in the universe, and then they compare it to our current sun. Oh, it's insane. And it's just, it's unfathomably big. It's insane. One yeah. of the cool, uh, I guess it's a demo, it's an, a <clears throat> it's an application on the VR thing I've got, on the HTC Vive. You can go into space and uh, like generate planets and send them into orbit, and you're just standing in the middle of it, and you can make that out like Alpha Centauri yeah. star. And then watch what it looks like when you send the Earth around it, and then they explode into each other, and you can <clears throat> you can just keep making them pop up and whatever. You just wow. stand there for hours. It looks it's super cool looking. Wow. Super cool. God like, damn. Universe man. sandbox. My girlfriend's super into science and conspiracy things and stuff. So this is literally all we talk about. Well, I think that you're going to get to a point where virtual reality is going to be able to recreate a, a journey through space, like in mm -hmm. HD. Oh you yeah. Know, if they can if they can figure out a way to take really good photo like some of the more recent photos that they've been able to take with those satellites that they launch into space they're, they're the incredible detail of all these different planets i mean to be able to do that like to put on one of those htc vibes and to fly through space insane and just f feel what it would be like to circle jupiter and like look down at it you know yeah. That's Fuck. something you get lost in for. Oh, I would love to do Fuck. just weed and mushrooms on that. That'd be crazy. You might not even need it, dude. That's true. You might go into a natural psychedelic state. If you could if you could get something where you could in a float tank put on an HTC Vive <laughs> and go for real, right? And go flying through like the rings of Saturn. And to be like that close and and to to, to have like the correct f whoa. Watch this incredible moment. An Indian rocket releases over 100 satellites into space in a new world record. What? See, that's another thing. Uh, space junk. 88 of them are going to try to take a picture of Earth every single day. Oh, my so God. So it seems like they're trying to do exactly almost what you're trying to talk about right there. Um, did you see there's, there was a some sort of a, um, a plan to collect space junk that failed? Did you hear about that? Oh yeah, was space it a Japanese? Trailing. What yeah, is a look. Japanese? Uh, a net. Yeah, yeah, space junk's insane. That's funny. That that's where the part where where we're at is where we got to yeah. build something to go collect all the space junk. Yeah, we're crazy. We left shit floating in the sky above our head. <laughs> We've got metal. We left metal in the sky above our head. <laughs> Oh, it failed? That's great. Japanese space junk remover experiment has failed in orbit. What uh, what happened to it? Is it saying? Wait, does that mean that there's more junk now in space? I don't know if that I don't know if they made it back and couldn't catch it. <laughs> the system designed by a Japanese space agency and a fishing net company should have unfurled a seven hundred meter uh, tether from space station. Res resupply vehicle that was returning to Earth, according to JAXA scientists. However, the system appears to have faltered. Space junk is a growing problem in low Earth orbit since the beginning of the space age. Debris as small as flecks of paint, wow, and large as whole satellites and parts of rocket boosters have been accumulating and it is estimated that over 100 million individual pieces of junk, wow. tens of thousands of pieces that are over 10 centimeters in size, are whizzing around our planet. What? That's like sh <sighs> moving shrapnel. Oh my God. We're so crazy. 
It's insane. People are so bananas. They just keep launching new shit up there. They're like, whoop, it's fucked already. Let's launch a hundred more yeah. new ones. How many didn't Elon Musk say they want to launch a certain, like a crazy number of uh, SpaceX launches? It's like one a month or one every week. Are they leaving debris in space too? I don't know. I'm not sure. Is well, it, they're bringing the thing back, so maybe not. Yeah, right? If you can get something that you can shoot up there and then bring back. Would you go to space if you could? Fuck you. You wouldn't even just, I mean, if it was just like Dude, up top and then come right back I down. I had a whole joke about that. I go, look up. You're already in space. Uh, going out there is like just going to a shittier neighborhood. Yeah, you want to check out the shitty neighborhood? <laughs> no. Well, you get in planes all the time. What if it just went a little higher? Yeah, exactly. Well, well it doesn't. That's why I get in planes. <laughs> well, th I think that's Fuck. what's... Fuck you. <laughs> I think there's going to get to a point where the planes are going to, to get two places faster, they're going to use the orbit and go up high and then come right back down. Or you smoke a joint, go to Joshua Tree and lay on your back <laughs> and you realize you are already in space. You're already here. We're in space. We're just in the best possible neighborhood. Let's just be thankful. Just be super lucky. <laughs> That we're here. We don't. We weren't shit out on the moon where there's no air. That's true. Yeah, man. I mean, you like extreme stuff. You wouldn't like want to just see what it was like. Fuck you. <laughs> I don't like things that'll definitely kill you. Oh, okay. And the the like going into space can definitely kill you. Oh, absolutely. Like it goes wrong a lot. Yeah. It goes wrong a lot yeah. on those folks. Like I'm terrified of heights, so I'll probably never go. But that movie Gravity. Oh yeah. That oh. movie freaked me the fuck out. Oh yeah. I'm man. just sitting there going, "Jesus, get back down there. Get down. Get down to earth. Get down there." <laughs> that anxiety is so get real. It's perfect. Get the fuck out of there. You're floating in space. You hear things crash together, but they don't make any sound. Or you yeah. see them crash together, oh, yeah. but there's no sound. That was a freaky part of that movie. Where there's no sound in space because yeah. there's no oxygen, there's no air, there's nothing to carry it. There's nothing. There's no atmosphere. You don't hear it. Does that make sense though? Also, real quick, on that ja the asteroid that hit Jupiter, it wasn't the size of Earth. The explosion was the size of Earth. Wow. However difference that makes. But so oh, yeah. Was, no, the explosion yeah. was the size of Earth. Yeah. 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 I think we said that. I'm okay. pretty sure. I'm just making sure. Yeah. The, yeah. <clears throat> I don't think the asteroid was the size of Earth. Because if it was a big, that would be like another planet flying around, right? Yeah. That'd, well, that has insane. happened, though. That's what we're saying. Okay. I don't know. I mean, who knows how often it does happen? But they think that's how, what we're saying before, that the... That's see if you could find that Earth One and Earth Two. I think that's what they're saying that that was the most recent theory of how the moon was created. That the moon is uh, actually made out of the same shit that we're made out of. Mm -hmm. Just dead as fuck, floating dead in the sky. Fuck. Our brother, it's our dead brother floating over our head every day. But he's only like ten. That's why oh, he's so little. God, it's like the one that's still attached to us. Oh, dude, I mean that is what it's like, right? Yeah. That could be us. That could be us. We're so lucky. That's why we gotta work hard. We're you know? bitching and complaining. <laughs> it's weird times. Yeah. Because all this information, like, I'm sure was probably around when uh, my parents were my age. But uh, in order to go get it, you had to do a lot of traveling. You had to read books. Oh, yeah. You had to, you had to go to school. You, had to, like, you couldn't just Google it. No, everything's so readily available now. Don't you think, like, for comics, this is, like, the best time ever for oh, creating material? absolutely. That's why it's, like, I mean, I talk about Trump and stuff all the time, but it's, like, I've never seen, you know, a president that's just given us so much stuff to work with. A comic said this to me. Uh, he was, like, he was like, I'm, I'm not going to write any Trump jokes. So I was, like, why not? And he's, like, because that dude's doing funnier shit than anything I'll ever be able to write. I feel, I feel bad about it. This feel, it just feel, it doesn't feel, this is my feeling, it doesn't feel like everybody's happy. No, everyone's not happy. And when people aren't happy, on both sides, like, there seems to be all this fucking 
Like, yeah. It seems super tense right now. No one. I think we were talking about this earlier. No one's willing to listen and learn. <laughs> Everyone's just willing to shout as loud as possible. Yeah. People just gotta be nice. Yeah. And that's why I like doing stand up about it because it's like if I can make both sides laugh at this the stupid things I'm saying, then they're in a way agreeing with me, and then yeah. in a way can hopefully learn a little bit different. Yeah. I think we're too much of a bunch of babies to have a left side and a right side. Yes. I think we're too we're too much of babies. We're we're squawking too much. Yeah. You know. I think if we could figure out a way to get rid of that that whole that whole inclination to want a left and a right, that whole inclination just seems to me that it's just so easy to pick a team and to get locked into that team's mindset, locked yeah, into absolutely. that team's goals, locked in that team's ideology. Yeah. Say the shit that the other people in the team, like I see so many people that write their tweets now and afterwards they write sad. So <laughs> That's funny. It. It's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny in an ironic way. If they mean it ironically, it's funny. Yeah. But it's it's really funny when they don't mean it ironically. Yeah, when they're yeah. like mimicking the way Trump tweets. Yeah. I see <laughs> it's it's so common now. We got Sad. a we got a president that tweets. I know, it's amazing. I mean Hope he doesn't Obama tweet about did us. Too. I know, right? Shit. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. That was taken out of context. <laughs> That's a bad Trump impression. He's like Matthew Richard should have won. <laughs> He has a, what is this? This is, the most, this is what I could find on that. Earth giant monitor, impact so. creates moon. The scientist theory on a giant impact model seeking to explain the moon's creation. <clears throat> Experts believe that an object that crashed into Earth led to debris that later formed the moon. New theory says that an incident also created a smaller second moon. Whoa. Where's that? And it said these two moons right here. It says they, uh, they collided to create what we see now. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It was really hard finding stuff on this. Earth 1, Earth 2 stuff really brings up just a lot of stuff on DC. Wow. How would they figure these fucking people are so goddamn smart? Look at this. Their theory also says the, sl the slow impact forced most of the smaller moon to attach to the side of the moon as a thick new layer of the lunar crust. How the fuck did you figure that out? They're destined to collide. There's no way out. Yeah. You should freak out, folks. Everyone should freak out. And then uh, let's relax. Oh, yikes. This is what's the most important thing to realize. No matter what, we're in space. No matter what. No matter yeah. what you're saying. The, 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 the reality of what you're looking at, what you're focusing on, if you look close to your, your neighborhood or your, your, your city or your, your country, all of it is taking place in this ball hurling through infinity. Yes. Like that is... It's all figurative. We, we've, we're creating all of these social constructs. Well, they're there. You've got to deal with them. Yeah. I mean, you've got to deal with the consequences of, you know, assholes that fuck things up over here. Yeah. These Hitler fe fellows. You know, uh, when you get a Hitler, you really got to do something <laughs> about it. You know? He's not yeah. just going to, you can't just hug it out of him. No, no. Uh, I, uh, do you think he gets impeached? Well, I'm not saying he's Hitler. Oh, of I was actually not. talking about Hitler. Yeah, I wasn't talking about Hit like like what people call other people. Hit he's like yeah. Hitler. I never use that term. And I don't think he is like Hitler. No, no, he's not because he's not killing people. No. And also, uh, you know, they, yeah, Hitler's a whole total different. Thing. No, Hitler was Hitler. Yeah, like, Hitler was so, Hitler. It's so stupid. I think Burr had a bit about it. He Maybe did. he has on his new special. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen his? I haven't seen his I've new special. I've seen his special. Yet. It's so great. I saw him do the stand up. I need, I need to sit down and watch it. That was He's my favorite. One of my favorites. Yeah, that's my favorite is watching him pop into the store and do it. And I yeah. watched him do that bit. And it's such a funny bit because he's got a great point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
He definitely does. And I think it's a tired word now. It is. And no one's going to bring that fucking mustache back, though. I'll do it. You think so? I'll I'll bring it back. No. No, I'm just kidding. Ari did it once. Wore it on stage. People were so angry at him. He's like, I'm a Jew. I could do it. (laughs) I have a Jew pass. It's so funny. It's uh, funny the things that we find offensive. Yeah. It's a weird time for that. Yeah, it is. People are getting really upset at um, people talking about, you know, pretty much any subject that isn't about them as an individual. And then if you do, like, if you do a subject, if you're a white man, you should be writing entirely about what a white man does, period. That's it. Just about white men. And even then you shouldn't be doing it because you should shut the fuck up. (laughs) Nah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Now, I'm one of those things, like, you could say whatever you can. I I believe in freedom of speech more than anything, but I also believe that you have to deal with the consequences of what you say. Fuck yeah. But it's also like we have to stop looking at each other as groups. Yeah. You know, as white men as groups, as white women as groups. It's silly. We're just a bunch of fucking people. we got to stop looking at each other as these groups based on what we look like or what part of the country we're in. And that's eventually going to move to other countries. It's just going to take time. I just wonder when, you know, because the kind of relationship that we have with each other all piled in together in a city like this and living so comfortably and for the most part, like relatively low crime, even in a place like Los Angeles, mm-hmm. if you really consider it. Yeah. That never existed in history. This is a new thing. So mm-hmm. people get better at life. They get better at figuring it out. I think we're better now yeah. than ever before, even though we still fuck it up. Yeah. But we're we're real close to one day recognizing other countries just like states. Yeah. Just like... You know, like you could just pack up and move to Florida. You know, there's there's going to be situations like that where people just go all over the world and go wherever they want. Yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to be, I mean, it's also just progress. Someone said it's like progress is measured generate or by tombstone by tombstone. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's true. Where it's like I look at my grandfather and like he's, I love him to death and he was an immigrant to this country and he felt a certain way around about other people and races. And it was one of those things where I was like, I growing up, growing up around that, I realized it's like, oh, that's just kind of the way he thinks. I don't have to think that way. Right. I can treat people nice and be cool with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think that's more apparent now than ever before. Yeah. I think that's, people are more aware of um, the, the similarities that we all share versus mm-hmm. the differences more than ever before. And people are more vocal. I think any time in my life that I can remember, I'm sure that during the civil rights movement, people were very vocal yeah. about racial, racial rights and uh, you know, and uh, putting out or stomping out racial hatred. But I don't remember it being like as much in the public forum as it is during the last, like, say, like maybe ten years or so. It seems it- like the people have they're much more organized in their ability to uh to protest to educate people to explain things to show things that people may might not have been aware of before i think it's a lot of just um social media and just the internet and having all that just readily more available yeah there's definitely that i think people like i think people arguing having these conversations are super important even if they do get shouty and stuff because that's i think that's how you learn is you have to have these awkward hard conversations yeah and they're they're it's really hard it's it's hard to uh it's hard to think that every time you you buy anything anytime you uh anytime you do any kind of interacting with someone you're these a lot of the stuff that you're getting is coming from places where people live hard lives yeah like really hard lives like the and people 
argue, well, hey, this we, we've talked about this recently. They're like, well, hey, you know, that's how countries grow and prosper. And, you know, they have to start out this way and they have this, you know, revolution, industrial revolution and all these people, they start manufacturing things. The, the status of life goes up. The quality of life goes up. You're living much better than they ever lived before. Yeah, but they don't they don't live like us. Yeah. Right. Is yeah. that is that's OK? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they went them, from mud huts, mud huts to you know, straw or whatever's a better <laughs> comparison. Well, we were talking about those Foxconn employees, oh, you yeah, know, those yeah. folks that work and make iPhones. What? Oh, that jump off the roof yeah, so much yeah. that they, they have to put, put nets. nets. In. Yeah, 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 dude. Those people are stuck in terrible jobs. Tell me that when you read a history book a thousand years from now and they talk about what kind of barbarians we are in 2017, they will start to talk about the rise of the machine. Oh, absolutely. And they absolutely. will talk about the cell phone. And they were like, the people coveted the cell phone so much that they, they found a way to compartmentalize their ideas about slave labor to the point where these people work 16 hours a day in a gigantic concrete structure making their beloved phones. And they hated their job so much and they jumped off the building so much, they put nets around the <laughs> building. But the people kept buying phones. But, but didn't they have enough phones already? They did. They did. They didn't care. Uh, they, they wanted, wanted better ones. phones. New phones. Higher, more jumpers. <laughs> Different more features for the, the same. Isn't that what the pyramids maybe th we think oh. kind of are? They were potentially created by slave labor and they were worshipped things for ideally like a religion I type thing. You know what I think they used to think they, it was slave labor. No, we don't know for sure. Yeah. But. yeah, but I think they don't think that now. Okay. now I think, think the most recent theory is that they were very skilled workers because yes. of the food that they got. Yeah, that they were almost like praised because yeah. of the craftsmanship well, the, they could do. Go back to the ancient Greece or ancient Rome and their giant uh, mm. places of worship, their gods and whatnot. I'm sure yeah. those See, were made by regular you, workers. You're right, but here's the thing. like Those things were like really like art. I think we look at buildings a little bit different when we think about like someone being forced to build something. Yeah. We think of the person who's being forced to build it as being like a low-paid worker, whereas in those environments, that person might have been a goddamn superstar. Oh, yeah. Like a guy who could build a marble coliseum, you know, guys who are building those pillars. Yeah. People who are figuring out how to stack these gigantic stones perfectly on top of each other and make stone pillars. Mm -hmm. How the fuck did they figure that out? That's yeah. what I mean. I, you know, I, the smart guy wasn't lifting it. He was telling all the rest of the guys how yeah, to get it I believe that. Maybe, yes, but maybe they were all together. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I think more likely you had a lot of smart people, and then you had a few like Leonardo da Vinci's who were fucking super geniuses who had figured out a bunch of crazy shit and was designing things and drawing things. And these, these people were just like these rare blips of like superpower creativity mm -hmm. that exist all throughout history, and they propel us forward. Yeah. Like uh, who I think it Steve Jobs. Then yeah, maybe that, sure. He's, he's one of those kind of guys. Yeah, thing made. Yeah. Da Vinci. I can't remember which artist it was, but they had uh, they would make all these ideas, and they'd have like their understudies or people that were almost as skilled as them do these things and make them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what happened with the pyramids and stuff. They probably had these people that were planning, but you also still need skilled workers to build mm -hmm. these. Yeah, I think. Well, particularly with something like the pyramids, you, you, there's a oh, tremendous yeah. amount of math involved. And they're all doing this somehow or another when they didn't even have steel. No. They supposedly had copper tools, and they figured out some way to grind these stones so perfectly they just sit on top of each other, just completely flat, level, 
barely stick a yeah. card in the crease. So, when insane. I was looking up the stuff on the Foxconn factories, I remember the it said the reason why, or at least that was their argument, why they weren't <clears throat> in America is because they had upwards of like 30,000 mechanical engineers and electronical engineers at the ready. So those would be your skilled workers. Right. And there still are slave laborers underneath them. Yeah. But those are the extra people that maybe that's why it's not happening here. That makes sense because I guess with something like that where the demand is so high and the quality and the standard so high, like iPhones, yeah. think say what you want about iPhones. I've dropped this fucking stupid thing seven or eight times and it works great. You know? I love this thing to death. They can take a beating, man. It's crazy. They can take a fucking beating. Yeah. These things are weird. When these things take over, I think it's going to be an Apple robot that you know takes. Over. I'm resisting that watch, but it's looking tempting. Yeah, it tells my, you your heart rate. I bought my girlfriend one, and she <laughs> loves it. And I just, I don't want to be. Those I don't headphones wanna... are going to be great. <clears throat> the new iPhone is going to be cool when they announce it soon. God damn it! Stop. They can't stop. Get back on your work duty. Make <laughs> the machine. You know, these people are having romances. Connected to each other, looking at each other through glass where they're wearing goggles and they're making phones. It's the only socializing they get to do. Do you think we might have a bounce back moment where it rebounds a little bit and uh, Mumford and Sons take over? Not like that, but like uh, <laughs> there might be a day where we see, like, you know, if, if next you know week happens, <laughs> we can stop it, but like we need to stop all of our jobs from being taken. We're or, fucked. Oh, no, no. We're, yeah, we're already done. Just drinking out of mason jars and wearing fucking suede boots. That shit, you're just resisting the inevitable, sir. Oh you do God. not need a fiddle in the woods. You're on the porch with a fiddle with your friends, non-ironically singing together in perfect tune. How dare you? You're if not going to stop the rock. It's headed this way. <laughs> that music might. No. Going, how many thousand feet did we figure out? Ten miles a second. <sighs> Oh, Jesus Christ. I can't even comprehend how fast that is. That, it makes my whole body hurt. Just hearing, just hearing that, I just like go limp. Like, oh, oh, oh. I remember I was living in San Jose when I found out. I remember it was like, I had really great science teacher, and it would just blow my mind all the time. And I remember listening to him, and he was talking about how when you look at stars, you're actually looking in the past, technically. Because it's been because the light's just hitting mm -hmm. us. It's taking so long to yeah. travel. This is something that's happened a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And when they look deeper and deeper into yeah. the universe, they're literally looking into like a time machine. Yeah, it's so insane. My mind, ugh, crazy. It's just hard. It's hard for your stupid little head to figure out what these people figured out and how they all had to agree on it. Okay, I know this is gonna sound crazy, <laughs> but what I'm thinking is when we're looking at those stars, we're looking back in time. Like, that's what I was going to say, but it sounded too crazy. Okay. Are we right? Are we I think right? We're, I think Let's we're look right. at this. Let's look at this. And get the pads out and start they fucking calculate it. calculating oh. it. And like, okay, do we, when do we go public with this? Um, I think we're good. I think we're locked in. We have discovered that the Earth is 4.7 billion years old. And people, oh. And just telling us these calculations like we're waking up in the middle of this trip. Yeah. It's like we are literally on a spaceship. And the spaceship is hurling towards somewhere, and in the middle of this waking up, we have to learn how to speak. We have to learn how to uh, remember to write things down that we've already figured out. We have to be able to save those things, send them down to the next people so they don't have to figure it out on their own. And then the next people, the next people, and everybody work together. And while this is happening, you're waking up in the middle of a spaceship, and it's flying. It's like a sci-fi movie. It is a sci-fi movie. I it, mean, we, we, it literally is what's happening. Think As, about how much information has been lost throughout time. Yeah, right? Like the pyramids. That's a yeah. perfect example. 
The Great Pyramid of Giza, if you look at all those insane photographs, when they do those 3Ds, when they, they go over it, you know, with a, with a drone and film it, and you just look at it, you go, this, that is an insane accomplishment. Like, I, I can't imagine what it feels like to be there in real life. I wish it wasn't such a sketchy part of the world right now. No. I would like to go over there. I mean, I'll be fine. I just got to grow the beard out a little bit longer and be quiet. Dude, you would slip right in. Have a nice one of them little oh, hats. Oh, my God. Those little white hats with uh, the like, yeah. lingerie style. Yeah. I wouldn't get back in, but I would totally, totally be able to chill. Yeah, you'd the slip right in, bro. Uh, no problem, man. Let that hair get just a little bit scragglier in your mm -hmm. beard. You're good. Yeah, man. You know, and just talk like you got a sore throat. I can't talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the jokes that I'm doing now that I, I really had fun with, which is like the idea of me getting deported and going back to Mexico and having just to be quiet the whole time. Because you can't speak Spanish? Because I can't speak Spanish oh, and I can't like shit. let them know. Does that piss off some Mexicans? Some Mexican-Americans uh, that you can't speak Spanish? In San Jose, it did a little bit growing <gasps> up. Some, well, older Mexicans, because it's like they look at me and they're just like, oh, God, what have we done? You know what I mean? Like, at what mm. cost is our freedom and our dreams? But it's, it's kind of, well, I didn't learn because there was a moment for my grandparents and my mom and my dad where it was like, we don't want him to, we don't want people to know he's, you know, his span, like, because it was like almost looked down upon that he's like, you're speaking Spanish in public. Right. You have to speak English, blah, blah, blah. But now it's the point where it's like it's much more of a benefit to learn multiple languages. Well, I would think if you were a, a guy who could speak Spanish, you could work in all sorts of different countries in South America, too. Oh, yeah. You know? We just had a serious leak, ladies and gentlemen. Hilarious. Yeah, we had a serious leak in our building. It's fucking raining cats and dogs out there. Making this building wet. Uh, Are we in trouble? I don't know. We're, depends where it is. What, if it hits electricity, yeah, you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Should don't we get know. the fuck out of here? I don't know. Holy shit. I told you I'm not good with electricity once it Are hits that level of uh, whatever. Well, whatever happened, it seems to me like water pooled up somewhere and then it's it on, released. It sounds like it's right above us on that. I don't know where if there's electronic wires up there or whatnot, or how it could have came in or what. I could probably look. The that, drama that'd is be thick. A, that'd be a great credit just to, just like, to die on Joe Rogan's podcast. Dude, don't die. I will. This, uh, we could avoid this disaster. Again, the sky is letting okay. us know probably okay. that we have no control of the future. And the universe is like, you guys got to stop talking about asteroids. Get yeah. too close. The universe is like, listen, bitch, you got your own problems to worry about. <laughs> how about this fucking water from the sky? <laughs> you need water. Uh, it's all the fucking water. <laughs> Some Mexicans are a lot more Mexicans are cool with that now when they meet me because they're just like they're proud. It's a sense of pride. Like a lot of Mexicans in San Jose hit me up. Like a lot of young kids after I won, like hit me up. and They're like, yeah, fuck yeah, San Jose, blah blah. blah. And they're like, you know, I want to do stand up, and they ask me for advice, and I just, you know, just tell them, man, just do mics and shit. Yeah, no, yeah. You, you've, you're in a great position right now as being a guy who's successful. And uh oh, Jamie's gonna go look. Oh. You got your rubber gloves? No, I'm just gonna. Look. <laughs> Uh oh. We got a serious situation here, ladies and gentlemen. Right here. Right by a light. Okay. It's not good. It's not good. Hmm. Want to shut that light off? Okay, I shut all the lights off. No, don't do that. You don't want to talk in the dark? Let's just see what happens. <laughs> I feel good about this. I do too, you know? It's just a leak. Just the water pouring down on us. 
So they, they're they're evacuating parts of Northern California, correct? I think that was I got a, I think it was a notification in case there's road close. It's probably because we're near some of the hills. In case you're an area where your roads could be closed or there's wow. a mudslide, where to go? Be be ready to leave in case you have to or something. Dude, I went down Laurel and there was oh a house that fell off the side of the cliff. That's that. Driving, Crazy, right? driving, and watch like looking at those houses. Just it's I get anxiety. Yeah. just watching those houses. They had a giant back porch, and it just broke off and slid down the side of the hill. <laughs> Imagine just being that guy that like made so much money that you were like, finally, I get to enjoy my porch. It's raining. I get to look at all the Hollywood Hills. I've worked so hard, and then it's just like, dude, that's like a life-changing disaster. Like yeah. when your house breaks and slides down a hill, that will change your fucking life. There was a whole house that slid down the hill. You hear it again, Jamie? Ooh, oh, it's coming it. down hard. I hear it outside. I don't hear it coming oh, in anymore. I heard like another. There's just a couple of drips, but I think they stopped. Um, what were we just talking about? I'm so baked. Medslide house. Oh, a house on um, uh, t was it on Topanga? No, it was on Laurel. It was on Laurel, coming up over Laurel Canyon. Uh, I don't know if you were here like four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. There was a house that slid off the side of the hill. Wow. And you could drive by it and you see the house. Like, it wasn't like that much of a hill either. I mean, you know, it's decent, but whatever was behind it was the problem. It, like, kind of pushed it forward. Like, the, the, the ground broke loose above it and pushed mm -hmm. it forward. And it was like a big ass lawsuit and lasted forever. But I would always drive by looking at that place going, this is. This is supposed to happen like this. Like the earth, it shifts constantly. Yeah. Like our idea that we could just pitch a tent forever. And be fine. It's fucking ridiculous. Earth's crust not that deep, right? Not deep enough for my taste. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just lava at the bottom of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I, I'm probably going to say something real stupid. Like, oh, it's like seven miles deep. But I feel Yo, like bro. it's not that deep. Yeah, I don't think it's that much more than that. I know there was uh, this mining operation. I'd like to find out what the exact number is. There was some mining operation. Um, that uh, they were doing this uh, article about how many miles is it, Jamie? What's that? Uh, crust. Average, average, yeah, I initially I hit the radius. It says about four thousand miles, but that's the radius. So it's uh, average is about eighteen miles. Whoa. Under the continents, but it's only about three miles under the ocean. Whoa. That's only not... about three miles under the ocean, and then lava. That's how like Hawaii gets brought up. God damn. I don't think that's deep enough for me. That seems weird. <laughs> we're, we're like, there's a ball of lava under our feet. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're just the crust over the sun. Yeah, man. That's not good. There was uh, some article I was saying that I read about a mining operation where they were talking about how warm it got. As you got lower and lower, deeper and deeper into the earth, that you could literally feel the heat of the fucking lava that these assholes are drilling next to. How quick, dude! You hit wrong one. Oh god, you hit wrong. I can't even speak. You hit one wrong vein. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. I wonder if they have that down to a science. Obviously, they do. But do they know exactly that they're never gonna like drill a hole into the lava and have it spew out through the top like a zit? There's got to be mistakes have been made. Oh, did you imagine if that happened? Can you imagine if these guys were like trying to get more diamonds? Like there's like there's more diamonds there, but here's the deal. Uh, foot you, past the diamonds is the center of the fucking earth. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> don't drill too We're going to have to wear spacesuits that won't allow you to use your oh, hands. So, every, so everything's going to be done on a keypad. You're going to have the iPad strapped to you, and you're going to have to program it like this. And they'll try to suck the last diamond out, and then they'll see the bubble of red where that last diamond hole was. And then that's the last thing they see is the explosion as that hot lava shoots past them like a broken fire hydrant. Just boom.
boom, and right out of the surface of the earth just sprays lava into the sky. This for years yeah. and years. There's and probably one chick who's just like, I want that diamond. Yeah, How big is that diamond? It. That's the diamond that killed everybody, and I need it for you to show me you love me. <laughs> There's a person like that out there. You know there are. Oh, absolutely. Don't get mad. People th Sexual stereotypes are disgusting and I'm looking at diamonds right everybody. now. Actually, not diamonds, but an emerald. Dude, engagement rings are brutality. Oh, my God. You know those goddamn things aren't even worth anything? Yeah, they're... Well, I they mean, are, definitely, because yeah. people buy it. Oh, but the yeah. reason why people buy it for so much is because they've stockpiled all these fucking diamonds, and they control the price. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. It's yeah. so smart. Yeah, but you got to give it up for the Jews. <laughs> give it up. Strong marketing strategy. When it is it, are they the Jews that run the diamonds? It's not a bad thing to say. People would say that that's racist. I'll tell you that's not racist if it's a positive quality. They're awesome at business. How is that racist? Why was everybody so sensitive that you can't even say something in jest about a person's positive attributes yeah. and people think you're racist? My oh, you said <laughs> the, the Jews are good about business. What? That's a good thing. It's a good thing to be good with business, you fuckhead. <laughs> My uncle, when I told him I had an agent, he was just like, I have one piece of advice to give you. And he was like, he was like, what? He was like, what kind of manager do you have? And I was like, oh, he's like, uh, it's with this company. He was like, no, 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 like, what, you know? And I was like, oh, he's Jewish? And he was like, good job. That's a good move. And I was like, what? You know <laughs> the business? That was, yeah, that was all he said to me. And I was like, that's the weirdest thing. It was so funny to me. It's a weird um, thing, Jewish folks, because um, if, especially like European Jews, mm -hmm. there's more Nobel Prize winning Euro European, European Jews than I think anybody. It's really weird. Like there's a there's a pillar of of science or just a, a pillar of pillars not a good word a collective of incredible minds that have come out of European Jews for some strange reason. I feel like they're all hilarious too. European Jews, really? Yeah. Like name one? No, I'm just kidding. What are you saying? Oh, why? I was just saying. Smoked yourself yeah, retarded? I did. What in the fuck? You um, keep going, huh? You're one of those keep going. Dudes. Oh, dude, I love smoking weed. You don't just take the high and say, this is it, I'm good. No, um... Just ride it out. Yeah, Keep I love going. riding it out. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a big stoner uh, growing up? Or no, when, no, no, not until I was 30. Oh, yeah. yeah. What would you say, Jamie? When you're talking about diamonds, have you ever seen the uh, people that dig for, like, diamond dust and gold dust in the streets of New York that, like, uh, I don't know exactly what street it is, but you know there's, like, that area, the diamond area, where yeah. they're all, like, doing exchanges and whatnot? Uh-huh. When uh, they're looking at them in their car and whatnot, dust gets on their pants and little little flecks fall off and they get into the street and into the dust. And here's like a uh, here's a video. There's a guy. That make, there's probably more people that do it now, obviously, but like what? they just dig through the dirt and the dust and the street cracks and whatnot, and they can take it home and they can find hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of like diamond dust and gold dust and f diamond flecks. And I'm sure occasionally they fuck they get like really lucky and find a whole one. But, what? Yeah. Oh, they're like. It's just based off of that's where all of it is happening on like that one block in New York. They're that's panning. Insane. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, old school panning, yeah. That's insane. They're panning for gold in front of these diamond stores. And that's probably not what they found there, but yeah, wow. I heard about this a couple years ago and I just thought maybe you'd heard about it since no. you lived there before. Dude, I, well, I never lived in Manhattan. I lived in New Rochelle. I couldn't afford to live in Manhattan. That's amazing, though. I've always wanted to move to New York. New, New York's crazy, but when Especially I was living there, comedy. I was Poe, and I couldn't afford the parking. Because <laughs> if you have a, if you, I would have had to get a really shitty apartment, 
my apartment in New Rochelle is pretty shitty too, but I, I would have had to get um, a parking spot, and you oh. have to pay every month. Whoa, yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, it could be a lot of money too, like thousands of dollars. Oh, that's insane. Yeah, so I mean, that's as high as it could go. I wonder what like a good, what's a good monthly rate for parking in a parking structure in New York City? It's pretty, I've heard comics talk about it, it's pretty ridiculous. So a lot of them don't keep cars because now you can just Uber anywhere you want. Yeah. Take cabs and go all over the city. But back in the day, if you wanted to live there and you wanted to do road trips, you had to have a place to keep your car. And it was like insurmountable for me. It was just, there's no way. It was something like, at my, in my day, I remember it being like something like $700 a month just to park your car. Wow. Yeah, and I was like, what? And even then, there's just so much traffic in New York. Yeah. And this is back when I was making like 350 a week on average, <laughs> you know? So it was ridiculous. Yeah. It's probably less than that now, but there's different areas. It looks like it's anywhere from 300 Plus up, three seventy five. Mm. There's different garages now. Interesting. Yeah. So, so you can get it as low as three hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, find some that say two fifty. What's an expensive one? Uh, the ones that I saw that were cheaper, they stack you on top of each other. I don't know if you ever seen that. That's really nuts. Yeah. Well, like, I remember it was seven hundred bucks. What do you mean stack on top of each other? They stick them into these uh, machines, and the machines lift up. And then another uh, car gets driven in, and the machine oh, okay. continues to lift up. And so, like, you have to drive the cars out and then bring the thing down and drive that car out and bring the thing down. And, dr- and you might have to do that with, like, three or four cars. Look at that. Oh, Look. Like that. Oh. Yo, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. That sounds terrible. It is so crazy that they could do that. So this is the way they save space and stack cars. And it actually does work, but Jesus Christ, how weird is that? They have your car up. I mean, tell me one of these guys who works there can't fuck up one day. (laughs) Just People fuck things up, man. Yeah, there's got to be an accident that's happening. People fuck things up. You know a car's fallen off that thing and landed on someone's head. For sure, right? That's had to have happened, don't you think? Absolutely. I've seen valet drivers. Yeah. Well, maybe I was wrong about how much it costs, or maybe I had a very expensive one near me, or maybe it's because they stacked them. They could do it for 300 bucks, But whatever the, the amount was, I don't remember what it was. I didn't make any fucking money back then, so there's no way it was going to work. Were you serving back then? Uh, no, back then, I was, uh, that was my fr- when I lived in New Rochelle, it was my, my first attempt at living off stand-up. That was my first actual attempt where... Um, before, I'd always had day jobs. Mm. I had a uh, day job driving limos. I had a day job delivering newspapers. And so then I went from there to uh, to New York. And when I went to New York, I was just like almost making money doing stand-up. Like almost. Almost like some months. Oh, I made it this month. Next month, fuck, I don't have any gigs. You know, I was like almost being able to pull it off. So whatever the amount for parking and then living in New York City. Plus, the thing about New York City is New York's amazing, and it's, there's, it's incredible that you can hop around and go from club to club to club. But it's, it was harder at the time, at least, to do long sets. Mm. So like, I wanted to do like sets that prepare me for headlining on the road. I wanted to like, keep doing that set like even during the weekday, so I'd just try to get it stronger and do it all as a whole. And that was really only available on the road mm. for a guy like me. Yeah. You know? I feel like that's kind of where I'm at now. It's like I don't... I can find this is the first month I was ever able to pay like my bills and everything off a of stand up and that's a, it was a great feeling. Dude, it? you're at the launching pad. <laughs> well, I mean, I just got to be smart about it because I mean, now that I have money, that's all just going to rent, mm-hmm. so I can afford to be on the road and to build that time to where I can you know feature regularly. Yeah. And then make that money. Yeah, man. 
it's all right for you right now about writing new shit. Yeah. That's it. And I'm know? so excited about doing hustling, it. Hustling, hustling, mm-hmm. hustling, hustling. Yeah, it's cool. It's a, a really interesting time for you. But that's got to be, that, that's, that's a great feeling though, when you, to be, for you too. I mean, that moment when you were able to just live off stand up. It was scary. I didn't think I was going to make it. I was bombing a lot too. Yeah. <clears throat> I was eating a lot of dick. Yeah. Every, every other show, something would go wrong. Yeah. I'd go down hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got my girl with me, so it's real. It's yeah. yeah it's oh, when it's your nuts. girl sees you bomb, that's rough. Yeah, it is. Rough. Oh, she's seen me bomb. Rough. Rough but, on the ego. Uh, she was cool though, because she has that support system where she like she'd be like, "Yeah, you need to work harder," mm. but she knows I'm funny. Yeah. Right now, it's finally paying off for her too. Well, you could be a hard worker and not be funny. Oh yeah. That, that that's that's a problem. You know, it's when the the person is funny and is a hard worker. You know, that's like the, the which you would try to maintain, yeah. try to maintain that balance. But a lot of times you get either or, mm-hmm. you know, but that's the case with everything. It's dripping hard here, man. I keep hearing that behind me. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's cool though, dude. Are you enjoying it? I'm loving it, man. It's, it's fun. I've never, I mean. Do you feel, do you feel certain about everything do you feel anxious like how, how do you feel about like the future you feel excited do you feel i feel really excited because i don't feel the only reason i'd feel anxious if i knew that i couldn't do it right now it's like for me it's like i think of it like this it's like i've worked so hard i've worked so many jobs i've worked so many things to get this opportunity so why would i squander it you yeah. know what i mean it's, it's like if i've worked so hard now why wouldn't i keep working harder that's the perfect attitude but I'm also like, I'm not going to be one of those guys that's like, you know, oh, I'm a headliner now because I'm not. Yeah, that's I good too, man. I need to get stand up. But you could, you know, like a little of that, like Tony Hinchcliffe's got a lot of that in him. Mm-hmm. But it's also why Tony Hinchcliffe's so fucking funny. Yeah. You know, he, he rides it out and he does it the right way. Tony Hinchcliffe's a funny motherfucker. Tony Hinchcliffe's a mentor of mine, man. I mean, he was one of the first guys I talked to before, when I had my first roast battle. Well, he's another dude that yeah. fucking hustles. Exactly. Tony hustles. He's always hustling. Yeah. That kid works hard. He's very impressive in that way. Mm-hmm. He's a bad motherfucker. He is. And he's always writing new shit. Yeah, he is. Always. Constantly. There was a picture yeah. you posted of him when I was, remember when I was uh, younger in comedy. I don't know if I'd worked here at the time. I think I had. I think I was a door guy. Uh, and you had posted a picture of him. It was right after you guys did a set, and you had posted a picture of him on the plane writing new jokes already, and you were just like, this guy just did a set, blah, blah, and he's already writing new jokes. Yeah, he was, he, Tony writes constantly. Mm-hmm. I think you have to. He can't commit to a laptop, though. He's got this stupid setup where he has an iPad and his little fake keyboard. I think he just got one. Oh, just, just finally. Did, finally. Welcome to 2017. Know, right? Yeah, he would say, I don't even need it. I go, you can't even store anything on this piece of shit. What are you doing here? You can't even put a file on your desktop. Stop pretending that's a computer. <laughs> Get a goddamn computer. Fuck. It's weird, right? People in their iPads. Yeah. He was a door guy. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I mean... There's a that's a he's one of the best examples of a, a recent graduate because he wasn't a door guy that long ago. No, you not know? at all. Tony's always had his fucking nose to the grindstone, but really smart about it too. Really, um, really good with like taking apart his act, you know, re retrying things in a different order, slipping new stuff in there. You know, it's cool too. Like as a guy like you working, you know, as you're sort of uh, getting everything going and working at a place like the comic stores, you get to see a bunch of different ways people do it. Yeah. Which is really like that main room show on a Saturday night. 
when you're getting to see, you know, five, six, seven headliners in a row and you get to see what's the difference in how they handle things and how they set things up. The nine o'clock spot, the nine fifteen, the yeah. nine thirty, the nine forty five. You're getting like this crazy education in stand up. Yeah. I mean, I watch people. I mean, it's cool because I've got to see the different careers and paths of people, like watching Brian Moses go from a door guy to the host of his own show right. that he created, uh, along with a lot of great people yeah. in the community. Uh, and just to see him do that and to see where his career's going. And also to see Tony, same thing, his career and just the path he's taking. And, you know, he also, you know, used to write for Jeff Ross and all these things. And, you know, I got to ghost write too, send jokes in. You know, that was mm. something he also taught me about was that he was just like, you know what? He was just like, there's nothing, you know, he's like, when you know those roasts are coming, he's like, you've already done the roast battle. He's like, just start pitching jokes. Just ask. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I did. And that's, I think, what also helped get me on the radar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's it is beautiful to see a guy like Moses get to host a show too. He's such a good dude. He is uh, one of the best dudes, uh, and I owe so much to that guy because he was the one that pushed for me getting a job. He was the one from that's really had my back since day one. Um, I, there's, there was a few times where just me being a young guy and having a bitterness. Like when Montreal, when Rose Battle first went to Montreal, I was like, you know, just young and bitter, and because I was like, oh, I'm not going. Why, you know, blah blah blah. I work on the show, and I almost quit. And then Moses was, if he wasn't like a big brother, he like took a person was just like, nah, man, stop fucking being a bitch. You know, he's like, mm. you can either get mad or work and get better. And I did. I stayed and I just kept battling. I kept doing stand up, and then the opportunity came and I knocked it out of the park. Yeah, dude, you killed it, and you you killed it at the perfect time. Yeah. But so now, oh, the I, launching pad <laughs> of Crank Castillo. And, but it's That's my like, new song. I couldn't have done it without all those guys, you know? No, and for also, sure. you pushing me, too. Well, all of us together. You know, I, I really do, honestly, um, get inspiration from uh, looking at your Instagram page. Like, right. For real, I'm not bullshitting at all. I see your Instagram page. I'm like, damn, this kid's hungry. He's out there grinding, yeah. you know, constantly doing spots, those hard spots. Well, it was you, you know? telling me that, too. And also, it was like... Just listen to you talk about those light spots. Also, hearing you talk about having to go up after prior, especially if it's such a hard time for him, and like having to do those things. And it I was did like, that for like five weeks. Yeah, man, that's crazy. Yeah, it was. It was the sad era of prior when, <clears throat> before he died, he was in real bad shape, but he still wanted to go on stage, and he would go on stage, and he was under medication. You know, it's, it's serious issues. He couldn't walk, and they would carry him up there, and they'd crank the mic like. It was so loud. It was like hissing in the room. And he would, you know, he could barely talk and he would drink. And, and it, was, it was just real weird. You know, it was real weird. He just, he couldn't, couldn't really do stand-up anymore. He couldn't mm -hmm. really, like, form the sentences with the punchlines. At least not in the sets that I saw. I, every one of them that I saw was hard to watch. And I'm a giant Richard Pryor fan. I mean, I think he's... He's probably the all-time number one in my eyes. Mm -hmm. I think he's number one. If I yeah. look back at like all the comics and their influence on people and the honesty that he had on... I mean, without Lenny Bruce, there's no one, right? But essentially, and George Carlin plays a giant factor there too. There's a lot of guys that play a big factor, but I feel like Pryor was the guy. Yeah. Like to this day, I'll go back and watch his stuff and I go... In 1975, this was just genius. Yeah, you look at everything that was going on in 1975. Yeah. He came out yeah. as a comic and was just, you know, and that was the thing. Like, everybody loved Pryor. Everybody. Black people, white people, people that were rich, people that were poor. Yeah. And that's the thing that I liked the most about him was, like, he could talk about these subjects and these jokes. And it didn't matter what kind of background you came from, you could relate to it. 
hundred percent. And he was he was uh, you know essentially the 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 godfather of this style of stand up that both you and I do. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of ways. Like without him, like what would it have been like back then? You know, like who else was like even as remotely as controversial and as insightful, and the the way he could perform. The way he enunciated his words. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had some fucking bits. There, God damn. I can't, I can't remember which special it was. I think it might have been the first one. He like it shows him walking out on stage. The lights are still up. People mm. aren't fully sat down at their seats, and he just walks in. And he's like, "All right, guys," and he just starts getting them to come in. And you're just like, yeah. "Wow," you know. Yeah. And he just get, he. It's like I think f- I don't know if he gets right into it, but he just you know. It's, it's seamless, you know? Dude, remember when he would joke about lighting himself on fire? So funny. Right after the freebasing thing happened. I mean, come on. Who has the balls to joke about lighting themselves on fire from freebasing? Like uh, when Pee Wee Herman came back out after that huge thing happened, and he walks out, I think it was like the first thing he was hosting right afterwards or something or presenting, and he comes out and he goes, it's dead silent. People are like just kind of looking at him, and it's right after he got caught and stuff, and he goes, and he goes, you guys hear of uh, any funny jokes lately? <laughs> and it was right at the time that everyone was cracking all those uh, Pee Wee Herman jokes about him being the thing. And it was just, you know, someone that can take, someone that could be serious and then still humanize themselves in a way like that yeah. is and i think that's why the roast battle is so cool because it's like you're right yeah yeah learn how to take it too right not just dish it out but yeah, take man. it yeah yeah peewee herman man that was a really fascinating one because people kind of stood up for him like yeah, yeah like leave the fucking guy alone like what no one's angry at peewee herman you don't have to rest him yeah cut the shit of course he was beaten off. There's a bunch of dudes fucking a 16-foot screen. Yeah, yeah. What did you think was going to happen? You should arrest all the guys that yeah. aren't beating off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, right? They're gagging on each other. <laughs> fucking pounding each other on the screen, and he's not supposed to beat off? What's he supposed to do? Hmm. Right? Yeah. Fuck, leave him alone. Who are you saving? You know? Yeah. Other dudes in there watching people fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They feel threatened. I, wonder, oh, I like to watch people fucking hard for them. <laughs> I just imagine some dude, yeah, I'm here, just some guy's like getting ready and he turns, he's like, oh shit, is that, oh man, I'm such a huge fan. Do you think, that's a crazy thing to say, but do you think that that would be almost like, like watching people have sex in another time, in another culture, in another way, could almost be like an art form, almost be like uh an expressive art form. <laughs> or like if people fucking on stage was like stand up and like yeah. people went to watch these two yeah, people. Yeah, people fuck. went to see how good you fuck. Oh, that you know, would like be people hilarious. Do break dancing moves. Like if if sex wasn't super taboo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's entirely possible that <laughs> people would be fucking in front of each other, like to show how you do it. Just like how people show how you dance on the dance floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You dance by yourself, you're fucking doing break dancing and spinning around i just now now i just imagine there's just smaller open mic communities of li- like people. other people fucking in front of other people it's just like I just, i'm working on this hot fuck move for like a minute and i just feel like it's gonna kill dude this one fuck move i got i, I kick my one leg up and i catch it like i'm in standing bow pose and i just fuck my behind kills the crowd every time yeah could you imagine if there was professional fuck shows and like people got cheered like Tong Po and fucking Kickboxer that walk out on there. <laughs> Everybody goes crazy. Did you see his hot He's new here. hour? He's here. He knows how to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Just get a standing <laughs> ovation while this dude just <sighs> finished. 
Yeah, I mean, sex is obviously it's pleasurable, but it's also there's motion involved. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of things that we watch with motion involved that other people do that's fascinating, right? Like gymnastics. Yeah. Gymnastics, there's no, there's, I mean, the only stakes are don't fall on your head because yeah. we've seen people do that. Yeah. Don't break your leg because we've seen people do that. Like those stakes are really high. Yeah. But other than that, like, you know, why are you really doing that? Yeah. You're doing it to show how you move. Yeah. yeah. You know? My favorite is like, because especially with guys. What like, is this? Exactly what you're describing, I think. For real? So oh, sex, no way! Sex festival in Europe. Oh, my God. Salon Erotico de Barcelona. Jesus Christ. I saw some article in Vice where the, someone asked a bunch of people what they were taking. They interviewed people that were taking photos at the thing and what they like to do with their photos and how creepy they are or not creepy. Whoa. And they all seem pretty creepy. Check this, this quote out. That's so funny. It's the feeling of, in quotes, I was there, I was inches away from it, I touched it, that makes looking at my own pictures more exciting. All right. Yeah, it's all these guys just taking photos of these people having sex yeah. super up close. I see. It's crazy. That dude's got like a GoPro. I love it. And like, look how expensive yeah. that fucking flash yeah. is on his camera. That on YouTube, oh, Jesus Christ. That's What's what a lot that? of the photos look like. Just super up close guys just getting away. My favorite way is this dude close. right in the front with the camera. <laughs> how weird are we? That's so strange. Yeah, but I don't think and we're so like people these guys. just get together and they no, I mean just humans collectively as a oh, whole. Yeah. They just get together and watch people fuck. Yeah. Look at this guy's face. That guy's face is yeah. the best. Oh, he's indulging. That guy's yeah. been he's been kept from without for so long. <laughs> <laughs> just the the look of joy on some of these yeah. guys' face. Like I don't think that guy on the left's taking it seriously, but I think this guy on the right is totally taking it All seriously. All these people, every single one of them is just dying for virtual sex to come out. They're just yeah. dying. They're just dying for that. That's what's going to change the whole goddamn ball game, Frank. They put those virtual HTC Vive goggles on and they, they watch sex acts like this. They go there live. They have like sex offs and shit. Ugh. Just wait until I can't wait till my girlfriend catches me with one of those. Sex doll? No, no. Just like the VR thing. Like I don't oh. hear her come in. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's good. plenty of guys that have done that and been oh, caught. Oh, for sure. There's got to be. Yeah, for sure. Guys are in jail for that. <laughs> I guarantee you, <laughs> something went wrong, and it all started off from them jerking off with the HTC Vive on. Oh, that's hilarious! And the girl hits him with something, eh. and they throw it back at her, and she gets knocked out. <laughs> I told my girlfriend I wanted to uh, when I get the because I still haven't got the prize money, but when I do, uh, I was like, I want to just get it in cash and just throw it at her, so when <laughs> she gets bruised, she can call the cops and they can be like, "What happened? How did these bruises come up?" And I'm just like, "It was approximately ten thousand dollars in damage." Uh, she laughed. But on bump. Yeah. Taking her to Hawaii. Hawaii is a good mm-hmm. spot. Which island? Uh Maui, I think. Maui's awesome. Mm-hmm. They're all awesome. The uh the big island is crazy because you could actually fly over the volcano. Uh, you can get in one of those helicopters, yeah. they'll take you to the place where the volcano empties into the ocean. And it's like creating more island as you fly over. Uh. And you're like, whoa. That's insane. Yeah, you sleep weird at night with that knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> that I could just go at any time. <laughs> yeah, you're on the side of an active volcano. Yeah. Those people live there in harmony, though. It's really interesting. I think that being that connected to nature the way they are, because they have the ocean there, and not to say that Hawaiian people don't have their problems, like everybody has their problems, but Hawaiian people have a more relaxed, you know, what they'll call like island-style way about them at all. I think in some way it's probably influenced by the humility that you just naturally get by being so connected to nature. Mm-hmm. The ocean right there, the mountains right there, it's just like they're so connected to it. It's insane. They're, they're not, 
they have never had city blinders on. Yeah. You know, maybe a little bit in Honolulu people do. But out there on that big island, there's no city blinders, man. You're looking at something like really insanely intense all the time. Mountains and ocean. That's amazing. You're on a volcano, yeah. son. It's beautiful. And there's a bunch of times in history where the towns have had to evacuate because oh, yeah. the lava's coming over the hill and it just wipes out the whole town. The town doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Then dudes put up these little shacks on where the lava is and they rope it off and that's like their land now. Like they go back to oh. where their land is like like GPSed out uh-huh. and they like put stakes in and make like a little fence over the fucking lava that's and then insane. they put like a house there. Have you seen that, Jamie? See if you it's can find crazy. some photos of that. It's it's so bizarre. I was almost born in Hawaii. Houses on the Big Island, uh, like te- temporary houses on the Big Island over lava fields, because these people they lost everything and they're like, well, this is the only thing I have. I'm just gonna put a trailer up where my fucking house is supposed to be. That's what I, imagine. Yeah, imagine just watching that go down where your house just burns down and you're just like, yep. Better start over. I think in Hawaii, what they should have is land set aside for people whose houses get fucked up by volcanoes. It happens all the time. Yeah. It seems like it would. It happens enough where you should probably have like a backup. Maybe they do. They have to have insurance or something. I think they probably have insurance. It's got to be a lot of insurance. they have enough where they can relocate and have a, a, you know, a house like their old house that got eaten by the lava? Or is it enough to get a shitty apartment, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how much they get paid. But I would think that uh, there's plenty of land. What am I saying? What am I, a Marxist? Like, give away their <laughs> fucking land. land. Give away the land to the people that... You want me to find temporary houses, right? Is that what Yeah, I'm... temporary houses on lava fields in Hawaii. They staked it off. I forget who showed it to me. But they staked off their area and, like, tied it off with, like, a ribbon or something like that. And they're like, hey, this is my, this is my land. Don't come, <laughs> don't, don't come inside this lava pot, patch. I own it. Like, it my... just highlights how preposterous it is. Yeah. You know, to live there. But so awesome. People will just stay there, though. They love it. I went fishing last time I was there. I talked to this dude who had been living there for a long time, decades. He started out on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, the way he was talking about it, man, the way he was talking about just life, I was like, this guy, is, he's so much more in tune with, with like, just, just the reality. I'm good, dude. Which is the reality of life itself, just the cycle of life, just see, seeing it out there on a boat in Hawaii, Pulling back into the dock, living on this volcano in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you're living in a magical land. Yeah. People daydream about that place. Yeah. Yeah, they go there once a year and they just, just, God, amazing. The other guy lives there. He got there and he was like, fuck, going back. Yeah. He was like, oh, this is, I could just stay (laughs) here? Fuck January in New York. (laughs) Like, what? My mom went there for her senior trip. And then when her senior trip ended, she just didn't get back on the plane. It's the move. So, yeah, here we go. It's not quite what you're looking for. Not quite, but similar. Interesting. So this guy set it up on this lava field. It's got a little house. This is where my house used to be. That's insane. Yeah. There was a whole uh, piece on it in something that I was reading. I don't remember what it was, but it was just, I get it. You know, the guy didn't want to, you know, that was his spot. He liked the spot, and he could put a temporary house there. But it's just, to me, it's so... It's just showing how powerful the the will of nature is. And oh. This insane idea that you're going to somehow or another state claim circumvent pieces of a volcano. Yeah. Look at that, man. We're just cutting through the landscape. Jesus Christ, yeah. that's insane. That's a road, dude. It just swamped right through that place. That is that picture. Go back to that picture again. Oh, look at that. That's happening right there. Yeah. You can actually see it happening. 
It's so slow, This is too. insane. Have you seen videos of just lava taking stuff out? It's really slow, right? Yeah, it's like so how slow. How many feet a, a minute does it go? Um, it probably depends on... And there's nothing they can do about it, right? Nope. They can't, like, push it back. <gasps> Look at that photo. Look at that photo where it's just cutting through. Oh. The one up right there, no, to the left of that guy with the red shirt. See the guy the right, to the left of that? Yeah, click on that. What in the fuck? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> We're looking at the actual lava itself oozing, and when you look at it as a liquid rock, like a hot liquid rock, you realize what it really is, like that this is like sort of, this is like the seeds of the, the, the actual islands themselves. There's people who go to those places and just get super close and study that. That scares yeah, the shit man. out of me. They study it real close. There's been that a few scientists have died from that. I'm sure. It only makes sense. I think, uh, I think uh, there was actually a famous one that like, uh, oh, a, like a what piece. What is that one? Go above. Do I, some, uh, no, the, 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 one, the one you were just, your cursor, right to the right of that. Right to the right of that. What is that? Whoa. Oh, my God. That's a river. That's a goddamn river. A river of molten rock. A river of molten so rock just way up there. cutting through the earth. Oh my god, it starts way up there. <gasps> Imagine if things lived in there, like salmon, like evil demon salmon. Lava salmon? <laughs> and you have these fucking evil demon bears that jump into the lava lake. A and lava they steam, like, they can take a certain amount of lava for, like, certain long, and they're roaring because they're in pain, they're looking for a fucking demon fish to eat. There's a 10 meter high fountain of oh, lava. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's what the miners would create. Those greedy, greedy gold miners. One of the, if that thing hits you, <laughs> oh, God, imagine one of, like, just a blob of that hitting your shoulder. Fuck that, man. Because even the suits that the scientists wear when they go out, that, like, if a thing popped up and it hit them, yeah. that'll eat right through them. God damn! How I I incredible! I saw something that you can, uh, you have a, a quick second. It's not like hot coals quite, but it oh. doesn't it doesn't melt things as quick as it seems, or oh, maybe it doesn't. Jesus I, I Christ! Was They're digging into it, man. These guys are standing right next to it. What the fuck are they doing? I can't oh watch this. Oh my god! Oh, that terrifies me. Oh, it's just shooting out, folks. We're looking at stuff just shooting out and splattering. Okay. It's like the Earth's coming. Oh, dude, that's gross. Oh, how about this? Cooking steak with lava? <laughs> oh, I've seen that. Yeah, I that's pretty not. dope. Yeah, they pour it. Yeah, see, they pour it through this thing, and there's a grill underneath it. Hmm. And uh, the just the heat of the lava pouring under the grill cooks the shit out of these steaks. That's pretty badass. Yeah. I bet that's a serious goddamn steak. Whoa, look how he does it. Damn. Oh, is he tossing lava on top of it? Oh, no, he's just pushing it down. I've revised my cooking methods, Frank Castillo. Ooh. I used to cook with high temperature, and I just tried it this last week with low temperature. I'm changing my game. Low temps where it's yeah. at. Do you cook? Uh, my girlfriend does. I know how you to don't cook. cook what do you know how to cook? I know how to cook like Don't say Mexican shit. No, no. I know how to cook like <laughs> steaks, some um, pastas and stuff. My girlfriend's probably watching this right now like, that's a fucking lie. Ah! He doesn't cook shit. What, like, do you, like, if you're alone by yourself, do you cook yourself a meal? Uh, most of the time, no. Or I'll try to make myself a sandwich. I'm the most unhealthiest person. I gotta, I'm, I gotta get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. You do, dude. It'll help your brain too. Oh, absolutely. Eating healthy, being healthy, yeah. definitely helps formulate your ideas, and also it alleviates you of a certain amount of tension that yeah. comes with your a failing body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, the 
I used to wrestle and do jujitsu for like two years out of high school, and that yeah. was the most fun I've ever had because I wouldn't compete or anything. Right. But it was just like I could eat whatever I wanted, and I would still just say the same. I felt great about myself, and it was just it was nice. Why don't you start doing it again? I'm gonna I'm gonna look into it right after. Um, we'll get you in a tenth class jujitsu, mm. my friend. Did you do it with a gear or without a gear? I did it with a gear. Well, if you wanted to do that, there's John Jock Machado's. That's that's close too. Mm-hmm. I've been to Machado's. It's a great place. Well, this, and it's probably somewhere near your neighborhood. We'll yeah, talk yeah. about it off air. That's probably that's even closer and probably just as good. There's Southern California is like one of the best places in the world if you want to learn jujitsu. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's so many legit schools. It's like it's just like there's two meccas really in this country. There's a bunch of really good schools everywhere in this country. I mean, jujitsu is really widespread. Yeah, but. The meccas, there's a, a mecca in New York for sure, and there's a mecca in Southern California. Mm-hmm. But there's like Chicago strong. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's strong jujitsu everywhere. Phoenix, Arizona strong. There's like a lot of places have good jujitsu. And I love going on Instagram and watching the tournaments and just the different people. Yeah, like Buchecha is probably one of my favorite ones. Do you ever follow Viral BJJ yeah, on uh, uh, Instagram? Yeah, I was. Dude. you liked a picture of it and I started watching it. Dude, it was great. I try not to follow them too often, like to, to re- repost their stuff because I, I want people to go there instead of looking at mine mm-hmm. you know and maybe people find out about uh, their videos but they they have the best collection of like oh, yeah. sick moves just sick like uh, move after move where you're like oh and you can add, these are real moves that like i've been doing jiu-jitsu for a long time and i haven't seen before you know i'm not the most knowledgeable guy when it comes to jiu-jitsu but i know enough about it that when i see some completely new choke variation that i've never seen before and everybody starts doing it, i'm like okay that wasn't around. Yeah. Like this guy, this guy's come up with some new thing and people come up with a new thing, you know, it's pretty regular. Yeah. That's my favorite about watching jujitsu is you can yeah. just see people just, the game's always changing. That's the best part. Well, you know what it is like, man? It's like the same thing with striking. When you see it at its highest level of expression, it's when it's only striking. Mm-hmm. Striking at its highest level of expression for me is uh, either professional boxing or professional kickboxing or Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. That's where you see, I think, to me, uh, really, I like Muay Thai the best. Oh, yeah. Because it seems like they're doing everything. So it's, yes. if you're going to agree to just stand up, like I feel like you should be able to do whatever you want to do when you're standing up mm-hmm. in terms of like elbows, knees. It doesn't make any sense to, to limit clinching. So I think that's like the number one stand-up thing as far as like what I want to see. But the only way you get to see like the highest level of expression is if there's no takedowns, yeah. if this is no submissions. Because mm-hmm. then... Because as soon as there's takedowns, as soon as there's submissions, guys have a totally different way. As soon as there's ground and pound, guys have a totally different way of, of, of competing and moving. And you're not going to see the same, the, as high a level of expression in just true striking. And the same is with jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. Like, you see a lot of crazy moves in jiu-jitsu that you might not see if you had soccer kicks or yeah. stomps. Mm-hmm. You probably wouldn't for a lot of those things. Because there's a lot of stuff that people could do to mitigate your movement that they're agreeing not to do. It's yeah. not that you're just totally controlling them, but to get the highest level of grappling, to watch it, you really kind of have to have only grappling. Yeah, because yeah. then it's like, these are rules we're agreeing to, and then from there, you can really start to learn how to bend the rules. Yeah, it's amazing, man. It's like... It really is like what you were talking about with verbal boxing. It's like that in, in many ways, like this strategy-based approaches to things. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that happens with jiu-jitsu. It happens with striking. And it's, it's what's really interesting about martial arts more than, you know, like people look at it in terms of like this, you know, uh, exciting, violent thing, this rah-rah macho thing, which it definitely certainly is. That's definitely certainly a part of the appeal of MMA. But also what the appeal is is that it's insanely difficult to do and you oh, have to be yeah. insanely brave to choose to do it for a living. And mm-hmm. it, and it's 
it's insanely dangerous because yeah. you're you you might get shinned in the face. You might get flying knee knockout. Yeah. Like like, there's a um a recent fight between Chris Weidman and Yoel Romero. Did you see that fight? Yeah, I saw a clip. Dude, Weidman was doing really well in that fight too, and Yoel Romero launched this flying knee that hit him dead in the head, just boom and just crushed him. And I remember watching that going, and that's Chris Weidman. Yeah. That's not like a regular dude. That's former UFC champion Chris Weidman, one of the baddest motherfuckers on planet mm-hmm. Earth. And Yoel Romero just did that to him. That, does, that, that is a sport that is like no other. Any given Sunday, man. What are you going to say, Jamie? George St. Pierre signs to return to the UFC. Yeah, I heard. <clears throat> I was talking to uh, my friend Steffi Crooklyn from Twitter. Uh, Steffi Hayes, the writer, and she was uh, telling me about this. She actually was the one to break the news to me. So George St. Pierre is going to fight again. Good for him, man. Took some time off, chilled out, feels good, still still training. That's the thing about George, never got out of shape at all, constantly training, constantly learning. I bet he's better than ever. Yeah. I bet he comes back and people think that he's going to have lost a step. I bet he's better than ever. Yeah. He wouldn't be coming back if he wasn't. Yeah. And I've been hearing crazy shit about his grappling. I've been hearing his grappling just off the chain. It that- is just better than ever that uh underestimating someone is a huge advantage and a tool well especially a guy like george st pierre i mean george st pierre did not become george st pierre by you know not knowing what's up yeah he knows what he's doing if he's coming back it's because he knows he's healed up probably better than ever he's going to be really interesting to watch him return because he's different in the way he approaches fighting i think than almost anybody before him and he influenced so many people after him mm-hmm. in that he's like almost has no ego when it comes to um like listening to his coaches and like absorbing information and uh you know being taught and you see him rolling and training and drilling with people and i've had the opportunity um to to drill with him and do some kick moves with him go over some stuff and he's just so open-minded and so fucking smart that guy's a really interesting dude because he's not a mean guy at all He's like, you would never think if you met him that he was this world champion, like one of the greatest, if not the greatest, I would say the greatest welterweight of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, does that mean that he would beat Damian Maya 100% of the time? No. Does that mean he would beat Tyron Woodley? Might not. I don't know. But if you look at his accomplishments, he was, in my opinion, the greatest welterweight of all time. And super nice guy. Yeah. Smart. He speaks two languages, fluent English and fluent French. Really fascinating guy, man. So if he's if he's coming back after this amount of time off, he knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. He's gonna come strong. He's gonna he's gonna look awesome. Or, you know, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. That's possible too. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, also today, uh, wagerings opened up for McGregor Mayweather. <clears throat> Ooh. How can you do that if it hasn't really been signed? It has, it has to take place before May 31st, 2018. So, like, if it doesn't happen, the bets just go away. That kind of happens from time to time. Like, the card has to happen before your fight, hmm. for your bet to actually be legit. But, Did you uh, see what Teddy Atlas said about it? Uh-uh. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, he opened up as a minus 2,500, so like 25 to 1. I think Whoa. it's Berto. He opened up at minus 4,000. So, I don't know if that's saying that McGregor's got a better chance to win, but usually it's just set on... 25 to 1 is not so hot. Yeah, McGregor's plus 1,100. Yeah, I think conventional wisdom is that uh, Floyd boxes the shit out of him. But uh, Teddy Atlas had something very interesting to say. He thinks that Floyd is uh, not recognizing the fact that Conor might just decide to get disqualified. That, like, if 
if it starts getting crazy, like if they're in the middle of a fight and he decides like he can't beat him, he might decide to uh, just fucking flip him on his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Atlas McGregor will cheat against Mayweather, then proclaim himself as king of the ring. Hmm, that's interesting thought. That's interesting. Well, here's the thing. If McGregor decided to start kicking Floyd and, and decided to take him down, Floyd is a dead man. Oh, he's yeah. A, he's 100% dead. There's not a thing. Unless he catches Connor coming in with the haymaker to end all haymakers that can take that Irish assassin out with one punch, Connor's going to grab him. If he grabs him, he's going to ragdoll him to the ground. He's going to do whatever the fuck he wants to do once he's there. And if he doesn't do that, he'll kick him from the outside. Mm -hmm. He can hit him from a place Floyd can't even touch him. He'll just sidekick the shit out of his legs. He'll stay on the outside, moving around. Connor's a fast man. Oh. He's not slow. And in the first round, fast. in particular, in the first round, if he decides to start kicking Floyd's legs, like if they agreed on that, like some sort of Anoki uh, uh, versus Ali match. Did you ever see that? No. In, what was it, 1960s? Muhammad Ali had a match against uh, Inoki, who's this uh, famous guy who was a pro wrestler. Mm. What is Antonio Inoki? Is that how you say his first name? I think that's Antonio Inoki. Sorry for people who uh, are big fans of his. He's awesome. But uh, I just forgot his name. <laughs> so he, he fought Ali, and what he did was he laid on his back and kicked Ali in the legs. See, Ali would come near him. And like he was going to jab, and Inoki would look like he was going to... He didn't have any gloves on either. It was weird because I don't know if it, like what the rules of the fight were. Because it seemed like Ali should have known that this dude could kick his legs. So boom, see, he would kick his legs, and he kept doing it over and over again. And look, at Ali's kicking him and holding on to the ropes. Like, no, 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 you can't hold the ropes. But you can kick the legs, but you can't hold the ropes. Like, what? Yeah. Like, this was, I guess, when Ali was probably... Look at he's kicking the inside of his legs. This is probably when Ali was banned. Does that make sense? Is yeah. that when they did it? This is in '76. It said. Oh, that's way past that. Then. Yeah, it was way past that. That's crazy. So this must have been he just needed the money, or they offered him a shitload of money. But this is when he was the heavyweight champ. Then, right? Is that the case? Was Ali the champ at the time? Oh, good. He's kicking the fuck out of his leg. That's crazy. He's just butt scooting and kicking his legs and looking to, looking to get him in a leg lock. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> just weird he's he was allowed to kick the legs i think we've talked about this they might have must have had some sort of an agreement that it was okay to kick the legs he was the reigning heavyweight champion wow how nuts is that six million he was offered six million dollars for the fight whoa oh man is that enough yeah well i don't know if he won did he win or did he get that's the thing about boxing oh wait the rules Okay, what does it say? Vince McMahon Sr. was involved, too. That's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Senior, meaning Vince McMahon's dad? Oh, yeah, he sold tickets to a closed-circuit telecast at Shea Stadium, too. No 30, shit. Almost 33,000 people showed up for that. Wow. Oh, of course. Of course everyone's going to want to see him box. So where does it say about the rules, like, oh, was he allowed right to kick the legs? What does uh, it say? There were varying rules, varying... Claims over the years over what the rules actually were. It says no limitations on kicking or grappling, and all types of kicking, throwing, and grappling it, were allowed. Gene LaBelle was the referee, so it was according <gasps> to him. Gene LaBelle was the referee. Of course he was. Who's Gene LaBelle? Gene LaBelle's a legendary judo character. He's mm. awesome. He's been on the podcast. He's uh, a legendary guy in the world of martial arts. Check out this last quote, too, from professional breasts uh brett hart was working for anoki at the time 
and he claimed in an autobiography that the black Muslims who were backing Ali made it clear that if Anoki laid a finger on their champ, they would kill him. That's why Anoki lay on his back for 15 rounds, kicking Ali in the shins so not to use his hands. Whoa. 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 That's interesting. So he didn't have any gloves on. He was allowed to punch him with no gloves? I just said, well, I mean, he was allowed to maybe, but he didn't. But other forces outside hmm. told him that if they... That's what it says. Wow. It's a claim made by Bret Hart. But you know what, man? Bret Hart's an entertainer, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. You know, He's like, a... entertainers make entertaining stories. True. You know, who knows? Hmm. That could be one of them. One of them... Uh, plot lines Ooh. <laughs> you know i mean whenever you merge into the world of pro wrestling and oh, another yeah. pro wrestler tells you well i know what happened man the illuminati came down and gave him an ultimatum lose the match to the undertaker or we will take your house you know who knows man it's all plot lines for those folk were you a big wrestling fan Nah, in high school I was. Oh, okay. What about you? Uh, no, my cousins were huge wrestling fans, and I was the smallest one that would always get suplexed. Dude, that's not cool. <laughs> Did they at least suplex you on the couch? Uh, yeah, most of the time. Yeah, Tony Hinchcliffe still to this day loves wrestling. He oh, almost yeah. took a job. He almost took a job with the WWE as a writer. They wanted him to move to New wow. York, though. I guess it's like Connecticut. That's where their, their studio is. Yeah. And he's like, damn, he loves it, dude. It, he yeah. goes to those matches and shit and goes nuts and cheers. He's so silly. Yeah, they have a they have a they have a podcast. I think it's called the Four Horsemen. It's Tony and a few other guys. They just talk about wrestling. It's, it's the awesome. best. Hey man, people love it. I'll tell you, people never got more mad at me than me giving Tony a hard time for liking wrestling. Oh, oh yeah, my God. those wrestling fans are dying. They were so mad at me. Yeah, they were so mean. I mean, it's great though. <laughs> I had a friend, it was fun in high school, man, I'll tell you that. I had a friend in high school who was training to become a wrestler, and I remember people would give him shit about it all the time, and then he was like, no, man, wrestling training camp's no joke. And then he came in, he took his shirt off, and he had just bruises. Because mm. I guess when they would practice, they would hit each other as hard as possible Why? so they know exactly how hard it is that they're going to get hit. You know what I mean? So they can judge the play. Oh, like palms, like yeah, palming yeah, off yeah, of each yeah. other. Mm. And they would just practice that over and over, and they practice, you know, the falls and stuff, and like how to get it right and stuff. Mm. But yeah, if they fuck up, they just they they really can hurt themselves. You know? Yeah, they definitely can. I mean, wrestling uh, involves a lot of contact. Oh yeah. And there's a and it's it's so brutal on the body. All those wrestlers at at some point in time wind up getting badly injured. Like Dan mm -hmm. Gable is like one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. He's got like all kinds of replacements, like yeah. hip replacements and all shit, and all that kind of crazy shit. He just had this indomitable will that sort of outran his own joints. Yeah, he know? loved entertaining the people. Yeah, he was an animal, man. That, that guy was phenomenal. The movie The Wrestler is one of my dad's favorite movies. I remember watching that with him. Me and my dad love to go watch movies. It's kind of like our thing. It's how we bond. You know, I never saw that. That was the Mickey Rourke one. Yeah. I saw like a scene from it, and that was it. I just never, I always wanted to. I never sat down and watched it. Yeah, I. It, I it's so funny. It was like I just watched a grown man cry. <laughs> like I watched my dad just cry. Ah, uh, yeah, me and my, my dad can't. I mean, I love my dad the best, the, to death, but when we watch, like, father-son movies, anything like that, it's always a tearjerker for him. Aww. Me, too. I'm the same way. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. It's hilarious. I couldn't that's watch cool. Pursuit of Happiness. Which one's that? It was Will Smith and the kid. Oh, uh, when he becomes ha homeless? Fuck that. Oh, yeah. I yeah. was like, no, oh. no, no, uh, no. no. Like, You're not going to do that to me. Uh, I'll tell you what. You were telling... I don't want to... I'll give away a giant spoiler alert if I say this, but I tried to watch that movie that we were talking about. Uh, the Arrival or Arrival, mm -hmm. whatever it is. I tried to. I got through the first scene. I'm like, "Fuck you!" Shut <laughs> it off. Shut it off. Not interested anymore. 
You're not gonna play my heartstrings. Are <laughs> you talking about with her and her daughter at the beginning? Oh yeah. Spoiler alert, you fuck. To figure out the movie, if you know what I'm talking about. Did you cry during Armageddon? Just the asteroid and nope. The, oh, okay. Nope. Knew it was fake. <laughs> Didn't get me at all. I knew the other one was fake too. Deep Impact, that was fake uh, as fuck too. Oh yeah, that yeah, it was terrible. Do you think the people from Deep Deep Impact meet people that are fans of Armageddon? Yeah. They go, "Oh my god, I love you from that Bruce Willis movie." And you're like, "Fuck you, bitch." Yeah, yeah. I was in the other one. It was, came out a few months ago, but we came out first. Yeah. We were out first. Armageddon's bullshit. Well, I thought that Armageddon they had the idea first. No, 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 no. That's the propaganda. Yeah, yeah. That's fake news. It's fake news. <laughs> Bruce Willis, man. Yeah. He just said, I'm good. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> just chill. Probably just go surfing and shit. Yeah, man. What does he do now? Is he still acting? Yeah, he was... No. What are you going to say? Nothing. You were going to say something. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. spoiler alert. Yeah, that's okay, true. spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. All right. Keep your trap shut. <laughs> 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 you don't want to ruin it for everybody. Yeah, he's always been... Like, that guy, there's, like, some dudes that get attached. It's really kind of fascinating when you think about how many people there are and think how many dudes get attached to, like, that action movie genre. Oh. Like, Bruce Willis, like, boom, die yeah. hard. You know, like, he was the guy yeah, for the action, action movie, yeah. movie, snarky action star who figured out how to save everybody. Yeah, that first die yeah. hard, man. What was the one, the, the, the one, the football one with Damon Wayans right above there, that right there? The last Boy Scout. That was another one he did. And he's always this, like, troubled cop. <sighs> blending pizza up with milk for breakfast, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know what Just I mean? Puts an egg in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was always that guy smoking a cigarette. Well, I guess we're just going to have to find out. <laughs> yeah, he was the same dude in 16 yeah. Blocks. Dude, he's in a, a gang of movies like that. The same dude in um, uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Right? He Bo played that boxer. boxer. Yeah. yeah. Dude, he was a great Hudson Hawk, man. Bruce Willis has been in some good fucking movies, man. Yeah, he is. What was the one with the kid? Oh, it was the kid. No, the one with um. That's true. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he was in a movie called The Kid. Uh, the oh, one um, uh, where he's a ghost. Mercury, right? Sixth oh, Sense. The Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. Yeah. He's in a lot of movies with kids. That movie was fucked up. Uh, that, that was that when, movie was like, whoa, yeah. what is this? I think M Night's coming back. Um, I don't know about all that, dude. That village movie made me done with him. I cleaned my fucking hands. No, him. I get it. He's someone put it this way. He's like M Night's like the girlfriend you know better than should come back to. Yeah, you know better. Fuck her, man. I like it. <laughs> I actually liked that elevator movie in 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 parts. I enjoyed the ride. I did. I didn't think it was the most satisfying way to end it. Yeah. But it's hard. How do you end a movie about you know an evil elevator? Yeah. You know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, yeah. They did their best. Yeah. <laughs> Photo booth kept my attention for a movie being in just the whole time. It's about a photo booth. Is that the, oh, the phone booth? Sorry. Is that the um, the Robin Williams one? No, no. Who's the crazy uh, guy? Who's the the photo guy? That was a good one. I was talking. Uh, I meant I misspoke. And I meant to say phone booth. Oh, phone booth. Uh, fucking Farrell? Colin Farrell. Yeah. Colin Farrell. It was on the other day. I don't. I saw it and I had, took my friends to see it and they were mad at me. It was buried with uh, Ryan. Reynolds, oh, Ryan he's locked and he's buried in a coffin the whole movie. It's oh yeah, so, I never it's saw that. It's kind of hard to watch. It's really claustrophobic. Fuck feeling. that. Not interested. <laughs> I don't need to see evil shit to make me feel bad. Show me some shit that's not real. Yeah, yeah. you know. I know. Like, like when we were talking about Avatar. Like Steven Crowder got upset about Avatar. Yeah. What? Why? He thought Avatar was like a propaganda movie. Ugh. 
was like, look, dude, that's an awesome movie about blue aliens. That movie was awesome. They yeah. flew dragons. I loved it. It was in 3D. I got to see it in IMAX. That shit was awesome. <laughs> my, mom will, <laughs> my mom does that, too, all the time. She'll watch. Like, she watches The Matrix, and she'll read into it too much. She's like, yeah. it's about China and America going to yeah. war. I'm like, what are you, what? It's an anti-capitalism movie. I can't be here for this. This is propaganda. No, it's a movie about big blue people that fly dragons, you fuck. Uh. This is a wonderful movie. This movie's fun. People get so caught up in that, though. Oh, yeah. They don't want to support those goddamn lefties and their crazy <laughs> ideas about blue people. <laughs> the blue people deserve to live. Yeah. Giant blue people that ride dragons, shoot bows and arrows. That movie was the shit. It was so good. So good. The only thing I'm bummed out about is they're going to do uh, part two is going to be underwater, so that means no bows and arrows. That's bullshit. They'll have harpoons. Yeah, I like bows and arrows better, man. That was a badass movie. That was man. a great movie. I I just don't understand people who couldn't appreciate that. I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where like people <laughs> just have gotten to this point where they're like, mm, I don't want to say my opinion matters so much, but it's like no one can just enjoy something anymore. Everyone always has to have either a shitty opinion on it or like a really really not so shitty opinion. On well, it. I I see people use all sorts of different things to sort of make their point, yeah. and I see if you were trying to make your point about some anti corporate movie, yeah, like you would see like this and say, but I what I see is like dynamics that make a good storyline where yes. you're invested in the plot. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking at it as a propaganda film no. because it's in fucking space yeah. and they have floating islands and none of that's real. <laughs> the yeah. dragons aren't real either. It's not real. Yeah. That marine guy's not a real person. Like when people freaked out over the Star Wars movie. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's so amazing. It's not real. What do you care, you fucks? Yeah. People are, and people are getting mad that they're trying to force diversity into Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. Oh, let me guess. You gotta have the girl running things. You gotta have the black guy who's a fucking stormtrooper. I see what you're doing, Hollywood. I see what you're doing. You're trying to fuck with what we like. Trying to take away our glory. <laughs> glory of white people dominating science fiction movies has anybody dominated any genre more than white people have dominated science fiction movies That's i come to you so true i come to you with a, a sincere question you want to talk about a lack of diversity black guys in science fiction movies have zero chance of survival they get it is like zero eaten first right that fucking dude in in um alien that really cool black dude who got sweaty all the time favorite one he uh he got jacked pretty quick he didn't make it very deep did he mm -mm. Who got, he didn't get killed first, though. I think he got second. Did he get second? Super normal. Like, think of, like, all the big-time science fiction movies. Dune? Um, well, Dune is, uh... Dune. See, then you're getting weird, though, because that's The Rock. No, right? no, Dune. Dune. Oh, Dune. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Those are all white people. That's yeah, a good yeah. one. That's a perfect that's a great one. one. That's a good one. When they did... <laughs> Paul Mooney used to have a great joke about this. What? <laughs> He used to have a great joke about uh, LeVar Burton on Star Wars. Uh-huh. About, they finally put one on TV, they make him blind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm totally taking it out of, you know, because he used a lot of N-bombs. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it was hilarious. It's fucking funny and true. It's true. It's yeah. Lieutenant Uhura. She's basically a secretary. Yep. Stay very desk, ho. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Kirk's out here saving the day. You yeah, know yeah, yeah. I mean? That's really what it was. Like She's those the people, one in... Yeah, I mean, she would take the call. Sir? It's the aliens. They're on the other line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was the one doing all the, the, the clerical work. Yeah, right? You know, she wasn't Captain Kirk's equal. Okay, and there's that Klingon. There's LeVar Burton with his goggles. And there's the Klingon. Now, the Klingon is super questionable. Is that a black guy? 
that has a, a terrible alien thing going on? I mean, are we looking at diversity? And did they bounce off that guy in the far right and make him whiter to sort of balance it out? Because that guy's white as fuck. Oh, yeah. He's supposed to be a robot, right? Yeah, he's the but tell me you can make an android that looks exactly like a person, but you can't make his face not white as fuck? That's yeah. ridiculous. His goddamn hands are normal color. How come you idiots only painted his face? It's also why don't you paint his fucking hands? His hands are nice and pink. Yeah, it's also like, why is the white guy so logical? And, you know, the other guy's just so... He comes from a race of, like, aggressive. Well, LeVar Burton's super logical, too, though, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, LeVar Burton was super smart on that show. Oh, but yeah. yeah, science fiction and black people. What what else? Alien, the movie Alien, no black people. Ender's Game actually had a great uh, Aliens rather. Uh, What's it, was Ender's Game? Ender's Game. It was uh, <laughs> if you read the book because uh, the author, there's a lot of skepticism of <laughs> where his uh, politicalness lies. Um, but they would I don't say think that, that's a word, sir. I know I made it up. Um, they oh, say wow. that he references a lot in um, talks a lot about like the Vietnam War in the in the Ender's Game book. Like they say that the certain races that he's talking about, he's can, like he alludes to them being like the Vietnamese. I think I could be making all this up, probably. But Ender's, Ender's Game is a really good movie. But at the end of it, it's all about like this alien race that's eventually coming to attack, and they have these kids do this game. But the whole time, spoiler alert, they're actually fighting and they're controlling the ships from Jesus the games. Jesus Christ, yeah, it's, man! It's an amazing book. Uh, and a decent movie. I actually haven't seen the movie. It's all white people. Yeah, but that was but a that other thing. guy, the Indian fella. What's that guy's name? Ben oh, Kingsley. yeah, that's Ben, ben Kingsley. Kingsley. Isn't he Ingl Indian? I think he just played Gandhi. Yeah, he just played oh. Gandhi. No, that's that's what he is, bro. Come on, bro. That's how he talks. He's an Englishman, then, right? Isn't he? So, yeah, I think so. But isn't he of Indian descent in some way? I'll double check. You ever see that one movie that he was in? He played this badass gangster. It's a really good movie. Yeah, he's played what? a lot of really badass gangsters. But he played like, this really mean gangster. What does it say here? He's an English actor. From just the, English. The UK. Hmm. So I'm making things up. God, God <laughs> he damn, did play he looks, Gandhi. Though. Oh no, no! Look at his looks name. Indian. Born Krishna Ban. Oh, he's yeah. Okay, he is Indian. Jesus Christ. Early huh. life. Of uh, course. Um, but what was that movie? Go to that. See, find that movie that he played in where his he was like a, born in Kenya. Sorry. Oh, okay. Go to his movies. Find that there's one movie that he played. It was a really obscure movie. It was a really good movie where he played a gangster. He plays a drunk hitman, I think, in one movie. He's Are those his movies? No, this is one he won awards for. I oh, Jesus Christ, that. that guy won a lot of awards. Dude, he's the best. Go the filmography right there. 46 movies. Or Jesus so. Christ. Yeah, he was in Shutter Island. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Let's see if I can find that movie. Sexy Beast, that's it. Uh, to your left. There, right there. Bam. It's in 2000. Great fucking movie. He plays a psychopath. And you would go, what? That guy? Yeah. That guy seems like so peaceful. He fucking knocks it out of the park. He's awesome. It's a really, really crazy movie, man. He played a fucking complete nut. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I like an actor that can play a villain that plays it so well that I'll still hate the actor afterwards. Yeah. You know yeah, I mean? no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, when, that, that's a, the weird thing about watching an actor, right? It's like you're agreeing. You know that that's Tom Cruise. Yeah. But you're agreeing that he's on a spaceship and he's targeting. Yeah, yeah. His, you know, you can, like, the day after tomorrow. Is that what? What is the, the, the tomorrow movie? Day, after, day after tomorrow. Yeah, they changed the name, too. It's Day After Tomorrow, and there's, like, a weird subtitle on it, too. Which is, in my opinion, like, one of the most overlooked science fiction movies ever. Mm-hmm. It was a brilliant movie. Oh, no, that's uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge, Edge of Tomorrow. tomorrow that's that. right. Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, Which one? Was Day after tomorrow is like a what is End that of the one? World thing. Yeah, that yeah, was with the ice. Yeah. 
with the Quaid fella. With the Quaid fella, yeah. Yeah, that I was like Quaid. that was a super bad movie. <laughs> that end of the world movie that was so bad. I love bad movies too because then you can just laugh at them all. The, the time. day after tomorrow, right? That's yeah, what it was it's called. Also called. Live, die, repeat. Oh Edge yeah. Of tomorrow, they added that yeah. Okay. That's a great science fiction it's movie, great. though, and it is white as fuck. It's he did just chock full of white that. people. Mm-hmm. They're chock full of white people. Oblivion? I think, or I was Elysium, sorry. Yeah. Elysium. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cruise did um, that movie, Edge of Tomorrow, and then he also did Oblivion, I think, like within months of each other. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah they probably were confusing as fuck, right? Yeah. They're, yeah. they're both science fiction movies. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was oh, a weird. good movie, too. Yeah, man, these they, there's been some good ones, but it, with a guy like Tom Cruise, like when you watch it, you know it's Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a weird thing that we do. Yeah, well, you know that's Morgan Freeman. There's Morgan Freeman. I know it's Morgan Freeman, but I'm gonna pr- pretend that he's this dude who runs this planet, and he wants to talk to Tom Cruise. <laughs> All right, man, I gotta wrap this bitch up. I gotta get the fuck out of here. We were supposed to end earlier. I had a, a meeting that I blew off. Oh, no way. Yeah. I Sorry, I didn't mean to Make some it. adjustments now. I didn't realize. We were talking so long. I thought it was 1230 and it was uh, 130. I didn't mean to crowd her. Dude, huh? it was awesome. Please. <laughs> Thank Good you. times. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And uh, it's always awesome having you at the store and always awesome. I'm glad we're doing these shows. You're Frank's the going to be with man. me this Thank weekend, you. tonight and tomorrow in Oxnard. So find people of Oxnard. Tonight and tomorrow, it's uh, Ian Edwards, Frank, and me. And we'll see you there. All right. See you later. Bye. See you guys.